spiel, you Don't know? you hate it when OBS resets your audio, everybody. All right, we're going to try this from the top. So sorry to all of our speakers. We were getting into it. I see you guys in the comment section. You know, just blame it all on Ryan. It's fine. Uh, you know, the focus rate has to be set up properly with the inputs to get this going. Welcome to Modern Day Debate, everybody. Tonight, we are going to be debating globe versus flat earth. To get us started, we have Matthew. You got six minutes on the floor, and I'm refreshing your clock there, buddy. Mm -hmm. The floor is yours. All right, I want to say thank you very much to Modern Day Debates for inviting me here. I want to say thank you to the creator of Heaven and Earth for allowing us to be here and discuss these very important topics. I want to say thank you to my Flat Earth partner in this debate, Nathan. What's up, man? I want to say thank you to the Globers on the other side, PhD Tony and T-Jump. Thank you guys for showing up. All right, so here we go. Basically, well, how I understand it, Globe Theory has four mandatory conditionals okay the first of which being curvature if the earth is a globe then there would be some sort of shape there would be some sort of globular shape that could be measured and now that curvature rate which uh people can you know we could talk about for one mile there should be 0.666 feet of curvature over one mile okay over 10 miles there should be 66 0.6 feet of curvature, okay, over 10 miles. Now, over 100 miles, there should be 6,669 feet of curvature, which we don't see. Any way you cut it, we don't see it. Now, when I see 666 all those times, you know what I think of? Now, watch. I know you guys may not like the Bible, but how about uh, Iron Maiden? You know, let he who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast for it is a human number its number is 666 so basically satan put his signature on the globe theory okay so right there that's the first mandatory conditional the curvature which is not there second one is rotation now if the earth is spinning thousand miles an hour which no matter where you cut it okay no matter where you cut it the Earth is allegedly spinning a thousand miles an hour, right? Which we don't feel. No one can feel, okay? Maybe some expensive little device that's designed to give you that result may feel it. But anything, no one, a plane hover or a helicopter hovering in place, the Earth isn't moving, okay? If I jump in the air, okay? If I T jump in the air, right? One second. The Earth would allegedly be spinning uh, so fast under me that 4.3 miles should be spinning underneath me, okay? No matter how you cut it, no matter how much uh, fairy mathematics you lay on that, it is not happening, okay? And I know Globers might say, yeah, that's like half the speed of an hour hand on a clock, okay? Which is reasonable, right? However, theoretical Globe Earth is much bigger than a clock okay what that means it's more ground to cover in the same amount of time okay so that's the uh, second mandatory conditional which is not present the rotation okay the third one is tilt okay allegedly on globe earth on the globe uh, theory there is a 23.4 degree tilt back and forth which is allegedly the reason for the seasons but what I would like to demonstrate using a pair, 
Because as we know, the high priest of uh, globe religion, Neil deGrasse Tyson, actually said Earth is pear-shaped, okay? I'm not putting words in his mouth, okay? Now watch. The reason there is no tilt, okay? Polaris would be directly above the north pole of this pear, right? Doesn't matter how far away it is. Polaris is directly above the north pole of this pear. Now, not only Polaris doesn't tilt, but Orion, the constellations, the fixed stars do not tilt. Now, if, now this is the third mandatory conditional for the globe theory. Allegedly, the Earth tilts like this, with all of the stars tilting perfectly. Do you guys see what I'm saying? My hand represents the northern celestial hemisphere. I hope you guys are following what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be weird or throw some weird uh, stuff at you guys. But the reason we know there's no tilt, the sky, it's like this. The sky would stay put and the earth would tilt like that. But that's not what we see because the earth is not tilting. What that is, is there, uh, the sun's path goes from the Tropic of Cancer to the Tropic of Capricorn. There is no earth tilt, right? Next. Here we go. The fourth mandatory conditional, which we can discuss if you guys want. I'm open-minded to whatever you got to say, okay? The fourth mandatory conditional for the globe theory to work, gravity, so that people could stand on the bottom of this pair. You see, and I'm not trying to uh, put words in your mouth or do, you know what I mean? This is what the globe theory is telling me. Since I've been a kid in school, this is what the globe theory has been telling me. People are standing on the bottom of this pair dancing, right? Gravity, right? Now, as I understand gravity, it is the greater the mass, the greater the force of attraction, right? This is what I've heard. You guys, I don't know if you guys still agree with it or not, but greater the mass, greater the force of attraction. The reason we know that isn't true is because if there was something that weighed 100 pounds and something that weighed one pound, if if gravity were true, the heavier object having more mass would indeed fall faster. But that's not what we see because it's not happening. The other one that I know about gravity is mass attracting mass. Now, okay, we don't see that. When I look in the sky, I do not see the Ten moon seconds. being attracted. Ten seconds, I don't see the moon being attracted to the earth. I don't see the earth being attracted to the sun because there's no gravity. All of those mandatory conditionals for the globe are non-existent. Okay, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thank you so much, Matthew, for your opening statement. Uh, just remind everybody who's hanging out in the live chat, uh, if this is your first time here at Modern Day Debate, hit that like button and share this out in those spaces you like having these conversations. We super appreciate it. We're a neutral platform. We host these debates on science, politics, and religion. We hope everybody feels welcome here. This is a friendly space. We're going to hand the floor over to Nathan. You have up to six minutes to present uh, your case for the Flat Earth. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, very much uh, to the creator as well for for this um, get together um, to Matthew as well my my partner and the interlocutors here uh, Anthony and T Jump uh, Tom thank you guys for for being here for making it for this discussion uh, and uh, so if I may uh, can I share my screen please uh, let's see share uh, my screen is up here. 
Sonny and Cher, buddy. Uh, I'm seeing our Zoom meeting. There you go. You see slide now? I see the slide. You're ready to go. Okay, so to go off of what Matthew was saying here, we're talking about the uh, shape of the Earth, the cosmology, uh, geomorphology, the Earth shape. Uh, and so it's is it a globe or is it a plane? These are two contentions. So we have the observations and the evidences. So for the case of curvature, uh, we have things that would falsify the claim of curvature and then any recreated demonstrations. And then we have what would support curvature and any recreated demonstrations if you are contrary to, to the, the, the curve claim. So uh, we have here the, the four lights experiment as well as an observation of uh, the base of some poles. And there are multiple data points which we can see the, the base of. And these data points you can plot out on a Cartesian coordinate grid, which will uh, give you a, a line as a geometry shape of the surface of water, which most of the earth is. And so this is a, a flat appearance that can be recreated on a flat, known flat surface to scale. Uh, as far as this, I've, I've tried to reach out to several people of the globe side to get a, like a four lights uh, recreation on a known curved surface uh, because talking about the shape of the earth, the ground is the most important thing, second to sky or how things act upon the ground. Uh, so the shape of the ground. So this is yet to be recreated on a known curved surface. So I put uh, here an image uh, that would be the attempted recreated demonstration. There's yet to be one. Uh, maybe it's because there are different sizes to the United States, depending on the image of the earth that we use according to the computer generated composited stitched together data. And so the support for curvature would be things like the boats disappearing over the bottom or uh, bottom up in water, or uh, only being able to see the tops of towers for skylines, which is what that middle picture is on the right side. And, um, and so this here, and so this is actually using a, on a known flat surface, this is using a realistic variable of temperature variation and inversion. And the, the known flat surface is actually able to recreate and demonstrate what would be a bottom-up disappearance, but the, the globe cannot recreate a, a, an apparent flat position on a known curved surface. Uh, and then to go with rotation, what would falsify rotation would be something like the Michelson-Morley result uh, for the for the Michelson-Morley experiments, where they had barely any fringe shift, about one-sixth of what would be predicted for the claimed motion of the globe Earth, which is an absolute motion of axial rotation. Added on to that, compounded in, would be the orbital of uh, the sun, the orbit of the galaxy, and the uh, galactic drift. And so the explanation is that if everything is relative, the maths are equally valid uh, for a non-rotating Earth or for a non-moving Earth, just as valid as a moving Earth. And so you can't tell which is which and which is motion here. And so then for rotation, what would support rotation? Well, there are things that will be claimed like hurricanes on the north or south side of the equator. So how a flat model would attempt to describe why the rotation is the way it is, is because there is an equator. And so if you're on the inside of the equator or the outside, you're going to have the sources of influence, the sun and moon and uh, things of the ether. They would be coming in from the bottom, uh, the bottom right or the top. Uh, right of, of a hurricane on the north or south. Uh, as far as tilt goes, what would falsify, falsify tilt uh, would be something like the solar analemma. We see a, a small circle 
uh, in the north, if you look at a still, I, I maybe should have used that instead. Um, you have a, a large loop in the south and then a small loop in the north, which would match the sun making, uh, if I can go back here, the sun making smaller circles on the inside and bigger circles on the outside. And then uh, you also have uh, the uh, the response to this too would be the astrolabe, which is, and, and all other things like the Antikytherian mechanism, ancient navigational celestial navigation devices that are still accurate today. Things that support the tilt are supposed to be things like um, like that we we can see a rotation of the stars at 15 degrees per hour. So that supports that it's the Earth spinning at 15 degrees. But we have a refutation of tilt also using the star rotation because when we see parallax of the stars, in not in terms of like other side of the sun parallax, but rotational motion, anytime you're moving in, an, uh, in a body, you're going to look out and the closest objects are going to move the fastest and the distant objects are going to move the slowest. All of the stars, no matter how distant or close they are claimed to be, all appear to move in uniform motion, which would imply via parallax that everything is equal distant as far as seconds. stars go. Uh, and then lastly, we have gravity. The falsification of gravity is the claim of, um, actually, if we get into gravity, we'll get into it. But I do want to say one last thing. Um, there are experts in the field of various, um, very complicated, difficult mathematics, sciences, uh, things that make the world better every day. And one of the interlocutors here, Tony, is one of those people. There are people who do very accurate, credible work who whose math is accurate challenging and they still get it right it goes through a transform and it still works for us but i, I don't want to have any accusations of people trying to be bogus or deceivers or liars they are very well-meaning people and uh i, I just want to make that clear that uh there are very smart people who it, it's it's everything they're doing is accurate as far as the mathematics go um and so i think that that is everything um yeah this is just something on nasa here so um, All right. We can get back. I think to I should you. be able to stop sharing here. Yeah, I was going to say, if you had anything else, thank you very much. Over, uh, you're very welcome. And uh, thank you, everybody. And uh, thank you, Nathan, for your uh, opening statement there. Uh, we're going to kick it over to the Globe side. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Tony, uh, I'll ask you to go first. Uh, you have six minutes to present uh, the case for the Globe Earth. And thank you for so much for being here. Um, well, thank you. And thank you to for the kind welcome from. Um, my interlocutors and thank you to T-Jump for agreeing to um, to appear with me. Let me just start my share. Um, here we go. Can you see that? Yep, we are coming through. I can see your. Okay, so we've got we've got two models, and the key um, question as to which model um, works best is to compare those models versus observations. That's the key element of science. If one model fails to give um, predictions, then it loses by default. You don't get to just win a competition by saying, sure, I can do that. You have to actually do stuff. So let's look at the most basic um, navigational problem that you can face. You know where you are, point one. Um, you know the latitude and longitude. You know where you want to go, point two, latitude, long, um, theta two. How far away is it and what direction do I need to go in? Um, now, if the Earth is a flat and we accept that one angle of separation corresponds to approximately 69 more miles or 111 kilometers, then this should be an easy solution on the flat Earth. 
we know the two sides of the triangle we can, and the angle between them we can work out the we can work out the um, uh, the third side and the angle um, and the angle psi. Um, if you accept that geometry, then this is your flat Earth map. There's no other map that has those properties. Um, uh, the way we do it on with a spheroidal calculation is exactly the same, except that it's a spherical triangle. We know two sides. We know the angle between them. We therefore solve for the third side and the angle psi. And these are the formula that um, that give those. Now, this is a very long-standing problem that a lot of people have been faced with when Bly and his 18 crew members were thrown off the um, bounty. Um, they had to navigate 7,000 kilometers to safety, and they had to do that without making landfall. The first time that they made landfall, they got attacked by islanders, and one of their crew was killed. So they had to work out how much water they had, how much food they had. Could they make that journey without making landfall? And they were able to do it. Similarly, the Shackleton expedition to Antarctica, their ship, the Endurance, got trapped in the ice. Um, then it got destroyed in the ice. Um, then they camped on the ice until it melted. And then they took rowboats to Elephant Island. From Elephant Island, um, five of them had to navigate 1,500 kilometres or almost 1,000 miles to get from Elephant Island to South Georgia. Um, and they made it. Um, had their navigation been off, they would not have. We have um, hundreds and thousands of intercontinental marine um, transports every day. We know what techniques they use, and we've been using them for hundreds of years. Here is a, um, a, a manual, a sailor's manual from the 17th century, written by Samuel Sturmey. And it's the, the problem it's discussing here is how to navigate from the mouth of the Amazon to the island of Lundy we can show that they use spherical geometry to do that. Um, uh, the flat earth is incapable of telling us how much fuel, food and water we need. You, it's not capable of giving us those answers. Um, you can't just say that your distance formula is the same as the spherical distance formula, that won't work. If you do that, then you, then you have to agree that the distance from McMurdo station to um, Mawson station is 3000 kilometers not however much you need. Similarly, we use the same navigation techniques for aircraft, and we have done here, for instance, uh, five intercontinental um, air journeys. Um, what I've done is I've averaged the outbound and the inbound fly flight times, which are in red in that fourth column. I've multiplied that by the average cruising speed to give that fifth column, and I compare that to the spherical distance estimate in the next column. The final column is the flat earth distance um, element. And you can see that the flat earth distance elements are generally larger than the, than the aircraft could travel in that time frame. For Sydney to Santiago, which is the shortest flight in terms of time taken, the flat earth says that it's actually almost twice as long as, um, uh, as it is in practice. Meanwhile, flat earth tells us that the shortest of these flights is actually Seattle to Dubai, which is the one of the longer flights by time taken. Um, again, um, Flat Earth fails to give us um, aircraft fuel requirements or food requirements. We can actually check physical objects. Here we have submarine cables, one submarine cable going from Sydney to Hillsborough. We can compare the cable length that we know versus the spherical distance formula and the Flat Earth distance formula. We can see the Flat Earth distance formula is several thousand kilometers, well, is it more than a thousand 
It's about a thousand kilometers too long, um, even at 100% tension. We can have a look at the Perth to Musket one. We can see that again, the flat Earth distance is just too long. There are hundreds of these. Um, similarly, we can look at railways. So here's a physical object. The railway between Kalgoorlie and Tukula, we can measure the track length. It's 100, it's 1,280 kilometers. If we look at the spherical distance estimate, that's 1,240 kilometers. The flat earth estimate is 3,000 kilometers. So we can show that the flat earth does not get that right. Similarly, we can look at Jacksonville to Pensacola. We can see that the track separation is 593 kilometers. The spherical distance is 533. The flat earth distance 643. We can now check. We can now check the geometry. Flat earth suggests that um, distance between longitudes should increase with um, distance south. It doesn't. Um, we can show that here, but we can also go to Argentina and see that the track length in Argentina is even shorter than the northern hemisphere track length. All right. I just ask you to stop the screen share. And thank you so much, Tony, for your introductory statement. I uh, just want to remind everybody, uh, if you haven't already, hit the like button. It only takes a second, and it really helps us out when we're having these live streams uh, to get it boosted up in the algorithm. Uh, T-Jump has six minutes on the floor to present the case for the globe Earth, and the floor is yours, bud. All right. Um, so, yeah, the Earth is a globe. All the objections they said don't make sense, like the fact that when you jump, you don't feel it moving. When you jump in a plane, you don't feel it moving. When you jump... In a train, you don't feel it moving. The fact that you jump would not indicate it's motion unless you don't understand that there's an atmosphere around you that's also moving. You feel changes in motion, not motion. Um, for one of the other ones, there's curvature. There is curvature. So yes, we see curvature. We can prove curvature. Curvature's been proven. You literally just bounce radio waves off the clouds and have them bounce back and forth. And you can calculate where they are is very, very easy. Not difficult at all. Um, yeah, that's good. I'll, I'll just conclude there. Moving like open discussion. All right, no problem. You still had five minutes on the floor there, so we're going to kick it into an open discussion, everybody. Uh, if we go into muted rounds uh, with too much crosstalk, we'll do that uh, at your guys' request in the live chat. But uh, we are going to do a QA and a uh, at the end of this discussion, so get your questions in there, and uh, we're going to ask uh, each of our speakers here those questions at the end of the debate. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's uh, kick it back over to uh, Matthew and Nathan to uh, respond to some of the things that they just heard and... Uh, uh, I put you on mute there, uh, Matthew. Sorry. Uh, just uh, heard some background noise while he uh, was making his intro. So I'll just ask you to come off mute, and we should be good to go. Can you hear me? Brilliant. All right. Yeah. Let's rock it, fellas. Yeah. I was coughing a bit, and I'm, I'm sorry if it was loud. I didn't mean to interrupt anything. I apologize for that. Uh, so excuse me. Uh, no problem. But anyway, um, let's go. Let's go. Mr. Mr. T. Jump. Um, I heard you. Uh, I heard your rebuttal about how if we were to jump inside a plane, do you understand what what you you said about that? If you were standing inside a plane and you jump and you don't feel it, what do you think the reason would be really that if if you wouldn't feel it? How about if you were on top of the plane, Mister T jump? Say you were one of those wing walkers out there on top of a plane. How fast do you want to be going? Any any speed you want to go, 400, 500. How what will happen, to the question? You, what will happen so like, if you toss the coin? How does that and relate to the question? Oh, I'm sorry. But, uh, if, you're, if you're jumping in a plane, is this plane traveling in a linear, straight, constant speed? You um, can go in a curved speed. That's perfectly fine. You still wouldn't feel it. 
May confirm. I, so so you I, don't get, what's that? Yeah, let's get Tony well, in I here. I just wanted to I just wanted to ask. So um both of you made uh, a conflation that I don't think is warranted. Um here's a cube. It's going to be a cube whether or not it rotates. It's going to be a cube whether or not it is tilted. It's going to be a cube whether or not it exerts a force or whether or not it is acted on by, by a force. The debate here is about the shape of the Earth, not whether or not it spins, not whether or not it's tilted, not whether or not gravity is um, as described by mainstream science. The debate here is about the shape of the object that we are standing on. So um, it's very easy for flat Earth, and this is a complicated enough topic that I think we need to stick to it. Uh, flat earthers do like to sort of say, well, there's this, there's that, there's the other stuff. Let's talk about the shape of the earth. Yes, I agree. Uh, Tony, do you mind uh, if I address a couple of um, the, the things that you had brought up in your opening? Feel free. Uh, so um, you had mentioned the flat diagrams uh, of triangulation using uh, a star as well as um, two ground positions. And so you you gave uh, you showed an example of what we would see like in math if you're doing trig and you're drawing on a piece of paper you're drawing a triangle, and so uh, maybe here I could do, um, so this this is a, a triangle that you would have in math class, and this is just on a board or a piece of paper or whatever, uh, and so this would be how you would use trig to try to calculate your angles. But I think what this is, is a, is a misrepresentation because if we're talking about the real world and determining the Earth's shape, in reality, there are uh, all other variables that are impacted in on our measurements. So there is uh, the medium of the uh, environment we're, we're looking through with optics. And so light is traveling. So the, the true position of, of the star uh, could be different. It's also uh, a claim that there is a uh, is a glass. Uh, I I would I would advocate for a firmament, a, a dome structure. So there is a, a medium change that could be affecting the the position of the stars, as well as things like the atmosphere that are that would would essentially make squiggly lines. At, added into uh, the into the triangle, it wouldn't be a straight line trig. That would work if there was no atmosphere, no medium change, and everything was direct line of sight. But because there are these variables, I think that that, um, that in, in particular is is something that is not, it, it's a, it, it works as a mathematic on, on a piece of paper, but it is not well, allow uh, me to ask, applicable. Yeah, allow, allow me to ask you a question though. Do you agree that we can navigate accurately and correctly and we can work out how far we need to travel using the um, uh, spheroidal Earth appro um, distance approximation? Uh, yeah, we can travel using uh, what we have gathered for our, our, our travel logs as far as ground uh, traveling, how long it takes us to traverse from one point on the ground to the other. Uh, as far as the um the stars bearing on that for their their general position uh what what our zenith star is uh i think that we can do navigation because there has been navigation for a, a very long time including going back to antiquity where there were flat earth cultures who were navigating successfully 
with their flat okay, could earth you give, views. Could you give me an example of a flat earth um, culture that was capable of intercontinental sailing? Um, so the uh, Scandinavian cultures, uh, the Vikings were able to get uh, to like Canada and to North America, parts of North America. I believe that there was some intercontinental sailing with the Chinese as well. Uh, and do you know how the do you know how the Vikings sailed that? Do you know how they did they use charts? Did they use instruments? Were they using calculations or were they um, using a combination of um, dead reckoning and sun angles? Um, I I would I would uh, reckon that they were probably using a mixture of, of various uh, charts, positionings, okay. uh, maybe coastal sailing as well, uh, landmark navigation. Do you uh, know how they found Greenland? Do you know how they found? Do you know how the Vikings found Greenland and found um, uh, Canada? How so? It was, it was it was by accident. They got caught in storms, blown off and blown off course, and they found themselves near these things. So it wasn't a matter of um, uh, them navigating successfully into areas that they had never been before. They travelled accidentally into areas that they had never been before, and then and then um, based on the wind that they had experienced during the storm, they navigated their way back. Um, it's um, but. You, you mentioned also the Antikythera mechanism, and I hear Flat Earthers um, mention that a lot. The Antikythera mechanism dates from around 130 CE, um, and by that stage, um, we know for a fact that the Greeks were using um, spherical trigonometry in order to calculate um, eclipses, sun positions, um, and planetary positions. We have the textbooks that they wrote on these subjects. Also, the claim, also the claim, you know, this is a slightly different topic, but the claim that the stars don't move is demonstrably false. We know from these, we know from these old star charts that there has been precession of the equinoxes. Yes, Matthew. Okay, I would like to address just a few things. Uh, first, you did lie when you said we didn't address that we were talking about the shape of the Earth. If you play back the video, the first material conditional I gave for the globe theory to be true was the curvature of the Earth. So I forgive you I for lying, right? Okay, I next, didn't, next, sir, next sir, sir, about, I, I object to about, that characterization. I object strenuously. I never... Play back the video. I, play back the video. I, I did not accuse anyone of you lying. Did. No, I yeah, didn't. Yeah, you said we didn't the bring up the shape of the earth. That never was the first thing I said. Never left my mouth. You said we, you're talking, you showed a Rubik's Cube and you said, we, it doesn't matter if it's spinning, we're talking about the shape of it. And I and I was just then, you, I was like, I, that was the first thing I brought up, was that the, we were talking about the shape, right? Yes, and I didn't say you didn't. What right. I said but was I mean, yeah. that your questions. What what I said was that your questions about rotation and planes all have to do uh, are irrelevant to the shape. Rotation is irrelevant, to the, right? Pardon? How do you think? I mean, can I? Okay, really quick. Yeah, on globe theory. Uh, 
Really quick, PhD Tony, the reason rotation would be important on a globe Earth is that would be the reason for having day and night. I'm not disrespecting you. It's not irrelevant. But and, these and are, yeah, that's the these first thing I brought up. But I do want to change it really quick. I want to just kind of like, I just want to like really quick, uh, I want to go back to T-Jump, man. If well, someone stop, jumped, stop. Before we go back to me, I want to fix this problem. So like, Well, I want to get off my chest. Because yeah, you wait, said wait, wait, what wait, if stop, someone stop. jumps yeah, on just, the plane? Just, 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 right? This is this is moderation is going terrible here. Yeah, well, you missed the point, Matthew. You missed the point. Go ahead, Anthony. Just... We stopped. You missed the point. So Anthony, when he was bringing up the the cube, he was telling us to stay on topic of the shape. He wasn't saying you didn't address the shape in your opening. He did not say that. That was not a part of his claim. He was saying let's stay on topic about the shape. So you calling him a liar? You were wrong. Okay, you were just wrong. Dude, I was talking about the shape. Everything I mentioned. I was don't good. care, Matthew. You, you missed the point. I don't Matthew, care if you I don't care. Matthew, stop talking. I don't stop care talking. If you don't care. Stop. All right. I just, everything we're going to let T-Jump have a second here because he hasn't said anything in a hot minute. So go ahead, T-Jump. Tony right. did not say that what you said was irrelevant to the globe. That was not the point. Was not the point. He was saying that. He was making an argument about the rotation not being relevant because that's a separate topic, which is fine, but that was a different thing. He brought up one point. You calling him a liar was wrong, okay? Because he wasn't claiming you never addressed the shape in the beginning. I don't know why you're spinning your fingers like an idiot because that. he doesn't address the point. Okay, if it's right. about flat earth, what do you think right. we're talking about? How would we stop, not stop Matthew, Matthew, stop Matthew, stop Matthew. Go back to the first claim. Right. One claim at a time, Matthew. You right. claimed he was a liar. Because he, yeah, said, because he said we weren't stopped. addressing the shape. Okay, I Matthew, think I think me... I think he already clarified what he had said in his intro, Matthew. So I do want to move on from this uh, the, the the idea that yeah. he was lying in the intro. Uh, maybe yeah, there, like but... I said, maybe there was a misunderstanding, but Nathan yeah, had something is... he wanted yeah. to ask. So let's let's carry on and uh, try to progress the conversation because we're getting into yeah, meta debate right now, and it's uh, yeah. Would it not be about I, the I, shape? I think it, he, he's just talking. There are various topics of this discussion, but focusing on the shape of the Earth is the most relevant, the primary. In determining the shape of the earth, we should talk about the shape of the earth. Tony, I completely agree with you. I absolutely you're being, I think, forthright and very on topic. Um, so I wanted to to uh, bring up that uh, you talk about the the food and fuel and, and things for travel going from location to location and how I would um, explain how that is able to be done is that we are able to uh, we're able to to gauge our, our distance traveled over the ground. And then we're able to say, okay, if we're going to go this far, we're going to know we're going to need this much food to last this many crew crew members. Uh, and we're going to need to bring this kind of water. If, if they were able to know that they were by certain lands, they might've been there before. If you go onto one land and then some people um, are not too fond of you being there, maybe you continue to go on your voyage and you find another land and get out there. Are they being, I'm not sure if they're being attacked everywhere they go or anything like that, but if they can find resources on the lands that they, that they settle at, but if they apparent, if they know the destination is so many, um, such so many thousands of miles away, then maybe they're already prepared for that because going into an unknown open expanse of water, I think would be pretty difficult to uh, reconcile how many resources you should bring along. So I would think maybe there's prior knowledge to the locations that they're going and they're and and we are able to topographically lay out the distance of our um of our ground coverage 
Okay, but one of the examples I gave was Shackleton sailing from Elephant Island to South Georgia, a journey that had never been made before, at a time of year that it had never been made before, in a vessel in which it had never been made before. Um, so the, um, the, the claim that it's based entirely on, um, on experience is, is not true. And similarly, you know, the, um, uh, if you've got only two data points, which is your current position, which is what Bly had, Bly had his current position and he had his destination and he had to calculate how much food he needed to make that destination. And he knew the distance and he got the distance right. We have his log books. We know how he calculated it. We know how he calculated it and we know how he did it. And it's not just actually people traveling. So, um, you know, I've raised the, I've raised, um, uh, the, the, the concept of, um, of boats and planes and trains, et cetera. Um, but actually the speed with which earthquakes, um, earthquake um, vibrations travel, the speed with which tsunamis travel, the speed with which atmospheric pressure waves travel, the speed with which, um, uh, uh, sorry, what was the other one? Weather systems travel. All of these speeds are consistent with spherical distance calculations. So it's not just a matter of, you know, people doing this. Everything travels at a, a, a Everything travels as though the Earth is spheroidal. Um, uh, Matt, you mind if I jump in and just ask some about this? Oh yeah, I'm I'm listening. I'm just I'm I'm, I'm watching what's going on. You're doing great, man. Let's move into okay. one um, minute so, time rounds for each side, so that you guys yeah. can make sure you're bouncing back and you're not throwing too much stuff out there all at once. So one minute on yeah. the floor. Yeah. Uh, just to to continue with this uh, with you, Tony, about um. So they knew the the distance that they were going to a land, uh, but they didn't know where they were going. And it was the first time they had sailed using this craft, first time taking this route due to weather conditions, first time going to an unknown location, but they, they also knew it. I don't know if I'm misunderstanding you there, um, but if, if so, they know no, the no, nobody had, so it's not the, it's not the where they were going. Nobody had been, it was where they were. Nobody had been. All right, so nobody had been nobody had been on Elephant Island before. They were trying to make Elephant Island to South Georgia. Nobody had made that journey before. All right, another thirty so seconds. They, there, they were that clarification. Yeah. Okay. So um, maybe uh, I would I would suspect that if someone is in the dark about where they're at and then where they are trying to go, there would be very unknown variables there that would make navigation hard, so so are more difficult to to really get an estimate of how far you're going to go. So maybe you're going to try to uh, if you're in an, an unknown starting point, you know your end point, you still can't really gauge the distance. So you might just bring as many resources Five as seconds. you can, what you think might be reasonable, and hopefully get all the crewmen there uh, well and and uh, able to you know enjoy the land, landfall. Ahoy, well, land the, okay, so the they did know where they were because they were able to make celestial observations of their latitude and longitude. So they knew where they were. It was just that nobody had been, had tried to make this journey before. Um, I don't know how to stay, say this in a way that's going to clarify it more. Um, they knew where they were. They knew where they needed to be. Nobody had made that journey before. Okay, so they were they were taking a route that had not been done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. sorry, man. Hey, thank you, James. Thank you, James. Okay, uh, Tony, I know what you're talking about. The people, they needed to make sure they had enough food 
and fuel to get to where they're going, right? They wanted to make the right calculations. But maybe you overlook that if they're sailing, their fuel is the wind. And if they're hungry, they could fish, man. They could cast their nets and get fish. So I don't know what you mean about they're going to be worried about all the food and fuel. Because, I mean, what kind of fuel do they need on a wind-powered craft? I don't mean to make you feel weird or anything. Okay, so I know you're making a point, but... So what? Where do they get fresh water from? They just kick uh, oak barrels or whatever bunch of. That's probably the only thing they really needed. I mean, okay. the other so, supplies, but so they had to work out. You know, you, you you say that they can fish, but actually, British sailors were pretty loath to eat fish. They considered it not oh. not person not person food. I um, can understand that, but, um, but I mean. The, um, so, um, but the um, uh, fresh water is one of the resources that you most need um, and that you can't find at sea. So they had to do a calculation of how far they were traveling, how long it would take them to get there and how much resources they had. Now, um, I don't care whether or not you think they got the distance right. What I care about is that if you were on that ship, if you were captain of that ship, you'd be dead because you have no way of making those calculations. Uh, um, yeah, so if you were going to, uh, basically, if you're gonna have um, a point, two points above the ground, you could essentially, uh, you could you could look up here at your at your zenith, and then you could determine Just the distance Nobody and, and what that see that to yeah. on the ground coverage, and then find the location that you're going to, and you could then gauge the distance between uh, the, the point where you're at and where you're going on the ground. Yeah, you're like you're talking about frame. celestial navigation. You're you, you're talking about using the fixed stars to know your location on the the non-rotating level earth right no that's what exactly what i think it is i mean that's like a life no, and death gamble that's you know not. well um, you see what i'm talking okay. about okay. is if you have if you know your location here and you know where you need to get to there how do you calculate the distance between them and you drawing a diagram like that doesn't actually help because without extremely precise chronometers and um, uh, and ephemerides, you don't know what star is azimuthally above your destination. Any thoughts there, T-Jump, before we pass it over? You're on mute right now there, T-Jump. So if you're... I know I'm on mute. No, I think it's a complete waste of time. I don't, I'm not really interested in this specific topic. It's like... Flat Earthers can do nothing. They've never built anything. They've never traveled anywhere. They never discovered anything. This doesn't work. It's a complete waste of time. The the Globe Earthers do. We discover things. We make progress. We change the world. Um, until the the Flurfs can actually do something with their hypothesis that the world is flat, then they have nothing. They they can do nothing. I don't care about their complaints, their opinions, their feelings, their thoughts mean nothing. Go do something. Build me something. Discover something. Go go to Go to the go find the firmament. Do something. Your opinions are just not evidence. So I, I don't care about your word games. All right, thoughts I on would, that, fellas. May I, may I, I uh, would, 
Just one second there, Tony. We'll let them respond to what they just heard there. May I speak? Sure thing, Matt. Okay, uh, Tony, you, you mentioned like they wouldn't know what star they're looking at. I'm not trying to make no. you look dumb, man, but there's something called constellations that are quite noticeable. Perhaps you've seen them. And if you could see Orion, you know it's Orion. Okay? I'm not trying to make you look dumb, but dude, some of the things you're saying, you're like, it's like, I know you're smarter than me, dude. You and T-Jump are smarter than me. Why do? Why is it I can understand these complex things that are really like obvious? It's not even complex. It's obvious. And like, you guys are smarter than me. Constellations, okay. dude. Tony, can I add a qualifier real quick? Uh, you got 15 seconds and then we got to hand it over before we uh, get too much in there. Tony would not look dumb if he was wearing a dunce cap. Uh, I, I want to emphasize that. Um, but I, I do ask Tony as a, as a qualifier to, to the premise of this, if they knew the location they were going, how did they know where it was? Don't they have to say the star should be above that location and that, that land. And then they look down and say, that's where we're going to go towards. How did they know where the distant land was without using the sky? And okay. Sorry, go. I'm going to explain this and I'm going to use small words for you. My Next. point was my point was not that they can't recognize stars my point was that they cannot identify which stars are exactly azimuthal at their destination at a particular point in time they would need an ephemeris a, spe a specifically detailed ephemeris that would um, and an extremely accurate chronometer if we were doing this today we could do this, yes, but just knowing that that star is in that constellation is no help in this problem. Um, so prattling on about constellations is, um, and claiming that it makes me look dumb is so pathetically inept that I am struggling to really understand what you're talking about. I explained very clearly what the problem is, and the other point that I would make is that they know the coordinates of the point that they're navigating to because they have books in which the coordinates of ports are set are written down. So those people at the local at the local port made celestial observations, noted their latitudes and longitudes, Ten wrote seconds. them down in a book, and the people have access to that book. And and just to clarify, this here in this example that we're talking about, this is the example involving Antarctica and South America, not the destination going east to west in Indonesia in in that area, right? Where we're talking about both. Antarctica. Both they both knew their end direction, yes. their end goal coordinates. Yes. So they had sailed there before and knew where they were going. No. The Bly, the, the mutiny had not been to that point in Indonesia. They knew that the port in Indonesia was there because it was in a chart that they had. They had not actually been to it before. Somebody else had been to it. All right, you guys still have another 25 seconds. And uh, you, I, I was looking I, to I think that this is, I actually think that this is, I actually, um, uh, I actually think that this is, 
getting to be a waste of time as the two of you don't know how celestial navigation works and you don't know how these distance calculations work. All right. Yep. Over to you, fellas. Um, so I would like to actually introduce another data set. Okay. Uh, just hold that thought yeah. right there, Tony. Um, we'll let them respond to uh, what you just said there, and uh, we'll let you introduce that in just one uh, one second. Uh, Matthew, you you got something to say there, so I'm going to set another yeah. uh, one minute. Go Matt, ahead. Matt, if you want to go, and then can we introduce a data set to, to advocate uh, towards I'll a just want to go really – I just want to say something really quick if you want to finish that previous topic, but – uh, Tony, yeah, you, you mentioned they did use celestial navigation, so they had to know where they were on the Earth. And, um, yeah, it's like, so they're using the stars. If they're at sea, what do you think they would use to navigate? Like, say they're out there for, like, you know, extended periods of time. The only thing they would have is the stars. Nothing to do with, like, calculating spherosity of any kind. Only the stars above. And I don't okay, mean to so, a lot or sound dumb or I'm just ignorant, but... I just want to put that out there that the stars, that was important. You know, nothing about ball earth. Uh, Nathan, okay, I'm sorry. So for why do the sailing manuals um, instruct people in spherical trigonometry? Excuse me? Why do sailing manuals instruct people in spherical trigonometry? I mean, why would they perpetuate a lie? I don't know. People put they're, all kinds of using... lies in books. They're using the uh, so that there's a cyclical nature to the stars, cyclical patterns. And if you have the circle circles being made above us or around us, as far as what one model would claim or the other, you're using those circles and those those trackable, predictable patterns that have been repeated throughout history and tracked throughout our, our logs of the stars. Uh, you're using those to be able to navigate. And, and if they knew had maps of the locations they were going those could all be charted out star to star, ground location uh, compared with the sky location of where objects are. And then they're able to navigate to this area that had been explored and already. So they knew where they were going. They knew the distances because they had traveled it and logged it. Um, Except we have their log books and we can tell that that isn't what they did. We know how they did this calculation. It wasn't in the way you're suggesting. Okay, so if, if they if they had calculations in their logs to the distance of the port that they were going to, and this was the they that someone had already been there, but they themselves had not, they they are going to calculate the distance that they already had a map to the the location. No, they did not have. All they had was the coordinates of the location. They had the coordinates. Yes. And then they had to determine the distance to that coordinate. Yes. So and they didn't do it in the way you're suggesting. But look, this is it is clear to me that you don't you guys don't know what an ephemeris is or why it's useful in why it would be necessary for um uh for the calculation that you're um that you're discussing. So let's move on to another data set. Okay. Okay. Um Maybe I could. I'll ask you later about what that that device is. But okay, I have a data set. If I could um, bring it up, I, I am curious. Um, just one I, second there, Nathan. We're just just if you can hold on to yours now. I'm just going to ask you to hold on to yours. We're going to let Tony do his first. So uh, Tony, okay. go ahead. All right. I just need to share my screen. Is that okay? Sure thing. Okay. 
All right, imagine a sphere, imagine that there's some sort of vibration at the top of the sphere. We would expect that vibration to spread out like this. And if you look in the if you look across to the left, that's the top view, it's spreading out like a circle. Now it moves into the other hemisphere. If you look to the right into the bottom view, you'll see that it starts converging on the other pole like a circle. Now let's look at an actual earthquake. This is the Macquarie Rise earthquake of 2004. Um, the, cent the epicenter is that red star. The blue circles are the most recent seismic stations to receive it. If we run forward in time, we can see that the um, signal moves out in a roughly circular fashion. We can see also that it has made it to the far side of Antarctica without going through the northern hemisphere in any sense. If you look at the um, if you look at the flat Earth model on the right, that doesn't make any sense. But we're about we're going to run through in time, and you can see the circularity of this wave front spreading out um, as it does so. And if you look on the right on the flat Earth model, you can see the circular pattern. Let me just rewind it a little bit so that you can see that better. You can see on the right-hand panel, you can see the circular um, convergence on the point opposite on the side of the Earth. So we made a prediction about how earthquakes should behave. We went out, we looked at some earthquake data, we got an exact match. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, and you, again, there is no flat Earth model for this. Um, here is a model versus prediction. The model are the solid lines. The predictions are, sorry, the observations are the dots. So the model predictions are the solid lines. You will observe that as the um, arrivals get later, uh, get further and further away, the wave seems to be traveling faster. Why is that? Well, on a flat Earth, there's no explanation for that. But on a spherical Earth, there is. Um, the wave is traveling less distance and it's doing it at greater depth where there is higher velocity. So um, we have observations, we have a model, we can predict, um, uh, you know, and this is a million predictions. I'll give you give 30 me seconds. Any earthquake, give me its depth, give me, uh, give me its origin, I can predict the waveform arrival times for you. You have nothing. Uh, All right, thank Matt, you so much. I'm gonna, for, I'm gonna uh, jump in real quick on this one. Yeah, we'll um, give you so, each a minute. Um, Okay, uh, Tony, can I just ask a, a real quick question? Uh, I've heard that there is some difficulty with waves uh, traveling through Antarctica, the, the continent. Is is that uh, is that any any sort of accurate? Just as a, um, as a qualifier. Well, there there are there are somewhat lower velocities under Antarctica. It's uh, it seems to be somewhat warmer, um, but um, the, it's not a major problem now. Okay, um, so how I, I would try to uh, explain, and one thing about two, and even this can relate with the distances on the ground and everything, flat earth, we, we claim to use those kinds of maps, like eight, the azimuthal equidistant map and everything, are, are more for to get concepts down. Uh, I wouldn't claim that they're accurate as far as the, the distances in of a lot of senses. Not. The latitude and longitude seem to be accurate, but the military, ha the military has the accurate uh, maps, but how I would I would explain that kind of a, uh, if you could go to your slide uh, for a, around one full uh, one ninety that you you show that you get a mark over here, and mm -hmm. I, I think what could happen is you have the waves going out, and then they're going to angle, 
and and everything is going to seconds. eventually converge anti-total and then it's going to go back and bounce and this is not supposed to be some sort of shape safe like weird shape or nothing i'm not <laughs> into the universal stars and all that why uh, does the wave not propagate across the center of your disc T jump you have uh, uh, making some expressions there do you have anything to add oh uh, i've been messing with my audio trying to get my audio to work where i can send my audio to my my stream while i can watch play video games i just got it to work which is great so <sighs> what i would i would say is that um the what tony said about earthquakes is a great example so if there's an earthquake in malaysia he can predict where the earthquake is going to go to which city where everywhere get it right 100 percent of the time so like if the globe is correct and there's an earthquake here you'll, you'll get an equidistant circle that will go to all the places and if you get an earthquake in every different continent they'll connect in some way you get it'll always be some equidistant to some other one but if the world's flat that won't be the case there'll be an earthquake in some some part of the very far right and it'll never touch the very far left or it'll be very very far away we don't see that never ever in the history of ever doesn't happen when there's an earthquake it'll go equally in every direction and hit every continent equally in every direction it's never the case that there's just one area where it just never gets to it doesn't happen so so tony's example of earthquakes is great because if earthquakes happen on a round sphere and they happen regularly in every different location then we can prove for for fact the world must be round but that's it game over you lose because if it's flat that gives a completely different spread of the way earthquakes will spread the vibrational spread he's debunked you like what how do you how do you explain the rate and location of where the expansion of these earthquakes goes to and wh why does it always go equidistantly to every location all right over to you matthew Okay, <clears throat> to answer that simple thing, I mean, that's funny you say it's debunked and game over, right? Time to go home, right? Yep. Hey, yep. Uh, anyways, uh, about the cartoon that Tony was showing, on the one side, it was the azimuthal equidistant map, which is useful because the distances are correct, okay? Now, the one you showed on the left side, is the is it's even worse than the globe. Like, if you look back on the graphic you showed, it's the southern azimuthal, which is totally wrong. None of those distances are correct, like in the northern hemisphere. So what you showed actually is so incorrect, it's worse than globe, okay? Now, I appreciate the cartoons, but there is that pesky ice wall. So you see how the, the cartoon energy was bouncing away? That's probably what it did. You know, I would love to go see it. I'm not rich enough to go uh, pay 20 grand to go down there. But if I, I would like to. But maybe that's why the things bounce a certain way. Maybe it's not science, mate. I love you, Tony. Did you have anything to respond um, with there, uh, T.J.? Yes, we haven't I, heard I, from I you have several things much. to respond to. A, or Tony, saying I guess, maybe, yeah, or, you know, um, A, saying maybe, or, um, you know, possibly, or whatever, um, we've got a model, we've got a prediction. The model, well, we've got a model, we've got a prediction from that model, and we've got observations. The model and the observations match. That is validation of the model. You can't just say, well, maybe there exists a model. I don't have it, of course. I can't do any predictions, but maybe there's a model that matches up. That isn't science. 
that isn't even a basis for um, a scientific conclusion. Um, uh, you know, furthermore, um, your problem is even worse than that, um, because it turns out that there are seismic waves that go from the point of origin. Um, I actually have another display. May I share my screen again? Sure thing. Just let me know when you're ready. Yep. Just a second. You are good to go. Okay, here we're looking in the, on the left. We've got an earthquake um, occurring at the um, top. We've got wave fronts. One's going out to the right, one's going out to the bottom. These are surface waves, so they travel around the circumference. So they get to the receiver, bang, that's the R1 wave. They continue going round. They go into the, um, uh, the opposite hemisphere, and now they come back and they get to the receiver from the other direction. So if there's a receiver um, south of our current receiver, they come back, bang, that's R2. Now we get R3, which occurs very close after the first one. So these waves go round and round and round. If you've got a large enough, shallow enough earthquake, you'll get R4. This also happens with atmospheric pressure waves. For instance, the Tonga Tapa um, eruption. This is the air pressure wave around it. You can see it spreading out from Tongatapu. Um, this is it 73 hours later after it's made multiple circuits of the... Um, and this is observational data. You can hold your hands all you like, um, Matthew. This is real observational data. And I have visualized it for you. I have turned it into a graphic. Fine. But you don't get to pretend that the data doesn't exist. Okay. May, may I may I respond? Sure thing. Over to you. Hey, Tony. Man, your cartoons make me laugh more than Looney Tunes, dude. Right. <laughs> dude, I'll tell you this, okay? Really, may I have just a little time to speak and eloquate? Okay, computer programs don't mean anything. I'll, I'll tell you why. Someone uh, probably make a computer program app on my phone. They could show me Pokemon in my front yard. With my eyes, I don't see Poke. I don't see Pikachu. I don't see Charmander or Ekans. But the phone, someone can show me on their device. Look at this proof. It's right there. Pikachu. And but with oh, my you're eyes, just saying with my, I'm lying to with you. my God-given senses, I the computer program can say anything it wants. The numbers you could do any numbers you want. But the, it's like oh, you're dude, calling me a liar. No, I love your cartoons. I love them. You're, it's funny you're, you're saying things. you're saying that the data doesn't support these these presentations. I'm saying the, the data, data can obviously be manipulated. I mean, obviously. Are, is, is how, how obviously? What is your evidence for supporting that claim? Dude, you, you just use the claim. What's your evidence? That's not evidence. If I show you a cartoon, a Pikachu, that doesn't mean he's hanging out with me. Oh my god! Oh my god! Mm -hmm. so, so, wait, no, wait, 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 hey, tell you, dude. The Don't cartoon, get hit the right, to the be cartoon fair, doesn't the, matter. I said the least, so let's give the floor to T-Jump. The cartoon is a picture to help you understand the argument. The cartoon is not relevant to the argument. So the cartoon shows a picture of a globe, and if there's an earthquake in one location, it'll spread out in a circle, right? That's, that's just showing you that. If we expect this to happen, like if the world's a globe, and the globe predicts that certain cities are in certain locations on a globe model, then we can predict that if an earthquake happens here, it'll hit this city and this city and this city, the ones that are equidistant in every direction at the same time. 
That's all that's that's all the cartoon is showing. And that has happened. That that literally has happened. There is an earthquake in a location. We know the buildings got fallen. And we can test what time was the earthquake felt in a different city. And we can say, hey, there are people there. They have their phones. Like, hey, we were feeling the earthquake at this time. And we can say, oh, look, this is the time it happened. Here's how far away it is. Here's when it, here's how the, the thing spread. Now, if it's a globe, it's a ball, and the earthquakes happen all over the ball, everywhere, all over the ball, then we can measure how far away every city is. It's going to come a very, very strange shape. If the world's flat, we, there are earthquakes all over the ball, it'll be different. It'll be two different measurements with different numbers for when the earthquake reaches here and here and here and here for each different earthquake. It's triangulation, different numbers. Guess what? The globe numbers are right, blurf numbers wrong. So the cartoon is just showing you the facts that have been proven, not by a cartoon, but by the actual data we have of when the earthquake happens and when it gets to the other cities everywhere else around the world. So the cartoon isn't the evidence. That's just a picture to show you why you're dumb. Okay. I, I, well, I think what, thank you. Uh, Let's let Nathan uh, in here right quick, Matthew. Just uh, I, I think what, what, what Tony was showing there was, was the data collected from, from detectors of of the seismic waves and then what, Cell phones. what he had done is he, he he graphed out where those detectors were and when they went off and anthony i was going to ask you if you could and I, I do believe we have the ability to detect these things that that is observational data empirical data that they've measured uh would you be able to show uh like i think it was around 190 the slide um if you could show around there i was just curious about uh one thing but um i i do think that you would get sort of like um, if you dropped because if it, 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 i think that these waves would travel we could kind of maybe try to use fluid dynamics to understand the properties of how these these waves would would move about and i, I gotcha. think if you drop if you drop something into like a a, a tub uh like if you drop a ball into a tub of water the the waves that are going to go out closest to the sides would bounce and then go in a direction from there and then the waves that are traveling out the furthest before they hit a wall they're going to keep going until they hit their wall and then bounce from there and so uh i'm curious here um this is on Except on the right side okay. here uh what's that so uh, okay except that we can prove that that isn't what's happening right um so uh i've got another presentation it should surprise no one all right, I'll give you um, two minutes on the floor there wait. if you want to uh, okay. show something up there. But uh, before we move on, Nathan, you had some closing thoughts on what we were just talking about. Yeah, uh, with with where about where where Anthony was showing there with the the epicenter, I was I just wanted to make note that you had you had pointed out that there was a a a detection that was about on the opposite side of the the flat Earth model, um, which would be further distance on a globe than points that are closer to there weren't stars if you were just looking at that map on your on your computer screen on the top half of that map there weren't any detections that were close by closer to where the epicenter is on the antarctic coastline um oh, just let me try that again because you missed them all right um this is before you want to make the uh, next point here because uh, we yeah, will eventually go into the q a yeah, but uh, your... if we want to uh bring up a new topic okay. that's totally fine by me uh i don't mind if we go a little bit longer that's cool okay so you you're, you're talking about here yeah so uh you could maybe run it forward a little further 
Okay, so like say right there, like right around this area. So right now you're getting a, a reading that is around that 30 mark at the bottom there. Uh, that's on that ring. But now if you look straight up from the star, you have those two red dots on the coastline of Antarctica. But there, there is nothing kind of over towards that 150 area, which on a globe with Antarctica, the shape that it's claimed to be, that would be a closer location. They, they appear yes, to spread out across the... Yes, it would be a closer location, the... but there's no seismometer there. So we are constrained by where the instruments are. So the fact that there's no um, circle there is an indicator that there's no instrument there, or at least no instrument that showed up in this data search. So it's not uh, the fact that the wave didn't make it there. It's the fact that there's no instrument to detect it. Um, okay. So we, the, but we can refute the, um, we can refute the reflection argument. Just give me a um, a moment. Um, need to find the. Need to find the right one. A1. Are we moving into okay, your next point just now? I just had to check on the kid. Yeah, I've just, found, I've just found it. Let me just go. Because we know actually what happens when a circular wave reflects off a circular obstruction. Let me just share once more. Yeah, you're all ready. We're still ready to do the share. Now you can find videos of this on YouTube, um, people with shadow tanks doing this experiment. Uh, the wave starts at the purple star, it spreads out, it hits the circular edge. Now what happens when it reflects is this. It turns into a straight line and sweeps back along. Um, so it doesn't um, go out across the it doesn't go around the edge of the um, of the disk. And as I say, you can go onto YouTube, you can look up um, uh, circular wave, circular obstruction, and you can see what happens for yourself. Um, so no, your reflection mechanism does not make sense and it does not explain the data. So I, I would want to want to contest that what you're showing here is not an accurate representation of of what an Earth would be, because this looks like a, a uniform, um, homogenous, one material type of, of circle that the simulation is being run through, as opposed to ha has this model been done with various densities of medium within the ground, within the water? Uh, have, have these these wave uh, motions yes. been, been tracked in, in different density mediums? Yes, there have been attempts to um, make flat Earth um, models, flat Earth seismic models that can work on a regional scale. They don't. Um, I can show you um, the papers. I've got them here. Snokes and La 2001, Biotal 2017 investigated on what length scale um, the uh, the um, you actually need sphericity to, in order to match the observations, and the length scale is 150 to 180 kilometers. So after the wave has traveled 180 kilometers, there is no way to have a flat Earth model that matches the observations. Yes, we have looked at this, and if you're going to say that's wrong, you need to come up with one. It, you know, so you need to come up with a model. This is what I said about earlier. If you can't lift the weight, you lose, right? We're in a weightlifting competition now, 
and you haven't even attempted to lift the weight. You haven't made an effort. And laughing and saying, oh, yeah, we can, um, is not going to cut it. They, they, they don't hand out Olympic medals for um, saying, yeah, sure, I could do that. No problem. Um, do it. Um, and you know, you'll find out that it's not, um, it's just not possible. There is my PhD um, was in was in adapting flat earth seismic models to model viscoelastic relaxation. I know about flat earth seismic models. I'm an expert in them. Um, they don't work on long length scales. It's that simple. And you can dispute it. You can say you're wrong. Did you okay. just say you're a flat earth doctor? I said. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm sorry, but what did you say? You flat earth seismology, and you put. What did you do with it? You took it and put it in some kind of model that maybe put it onto a ball coordinate system. Did you no. say I, I'm under, I'm not understanding it. Yeah, clearly. Um, what I said was um, my PA, part of my PhD thesis was adapting a um, flat Earth seismic model into modeling viscoelastic deformation. Visco viscoelastic deformation. Yes. So deformation that has a both a viscous and an elastic component, like a Maxwell solid. So what's the purpose that your what you studied was called flat earth? No, I'm not what, I it. what I studied was high resolution modeling of um, uh, glacial isostatic adjustment. So the way the earth deforms under heavy weights like large ice sheets or large sediment loads or volcanoes. Earth science. Earth science. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, you had me going for a loop first. I thought you were saying like you, you take the flat earth seismic data and you do something to, you change it somehow. No, you don't. So, um, so hey, the, yes. Tony, I, I got a, just a, a quick question. When you're trying to make flat earth models of seismic activity, are you using the data that we have uh, according to like our, our current ability to um, record and detect things. And then we're taking those data sets and trying to put them onto a flat earth model. Yes. So I, I would, I would ask if there is any sort of transform going on with, well, let's say the military accuracy of data compared to what we get that might've gone through a transformation equation, the uh, transformation or anything like that, that, that maybe that it would be difficult to put the the data to a um to the, the 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 slightly more precise or however much more accurate true mm -hmm. representation of, of the earth because we we are not given the the actual distances or, or anything just, like that it's just a matter of time and location that's all that we're getting here all that we have is the time at which the 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 wave function is a function of time at various locations there's no okay, so they're going off of the, the, the distances that we have uh, recorded. Well, you know, A is, there's is no such distance from locations. B. We're going off the locations for the seismic instruments that we have. Okay. Um, right. And and I, if I if I could real quick just address and then um we uh, I'll kick it back to you. But I do so I I think why there are not like uh, flat Earth seismologists right now is because when you go through the academic schooling system, you you are trained using globe models, globe numbers. And so the people who are going into these fields are taught certain methodologies and practices that involve using uh, certain coordinates, certain measurements. And, and so I, I think that there, there's a reason uh, that there, there are, that it, so it's the lens that things me, go through. 
allow me to rephrase what you just said. There is a reason why everybody who has been highly trained in seismology thinks that the earth is round. And that's because the data overwhelmingly supports it. Um, that's the reason there are no flat earth seismologists is because the data doesn't support your position and you don't have any valid models that match our observational data. If you did, and this is this is the thing, if you want to, if you want flat earth to be taken seriously, you know that formula for the spherical distance um, that I showed you at the beginning of my presentation. Find me two points on Earth's surface where that's wrong. Any two. Because all of the points, all of the pairs of points that we've applied it to, we get the right answer. So just show me where the spherical model is wrong. Show me how it's wrong. And I will start believing you. I will start taking you seriously. Okay, but that's what you've got to do. Um, you can't just say, you can't just say, well, maybe there's some way that it can work. Show me, tell me, prove it to me, right? I'm, uh, you know, um, uh, and and you you've got to do this. And you know, um, you you are sort of on a hiding to nothing because none of you have the technical expertise to really process seismic data. And I understand that's an obstruction, but if that's the case, maybe listen to the people who do. Um, you know, it's just yeah. like flying a plane. You may not be able to fly a plane, but you trust a pilot to do it for you. Um, yes. Geodesics okay. is, uh, I, I y'all, what, what Tony does is very complicated mathematics. It's, it's very involved, very intensive. I've heard that geodesics is the, like the most complicated form of mathematics that academia offers. To, to learn and study. So it's very high level, um, very in-depth uh, mathematics. And, and, and I, I do agree with that. Um, but I, I would think um, uh, maybe that, so like the, the USGS uses a, a flat earth model as their, as their logo. And, and I would, and, and they are the ones that do have contained the, the most accurate data. And so I would think that, um, what what coordinate system we use if we're looking at certain flat earth models that are shown like the azimuthal equidistant map though that is claimed to be latitudinally and longitudinally accurate and so those coordinates would match up and then if you ascribe those to a globe with that data set you're going to be using real land based coordinates that are latitude longitude correct and then you you could apply them the coordinates are there regardless if you want to say that they're sphere or 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 triangle or square shape the coordinates are latitude x longitude y yeah. and then they 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 apply it do very complex math and then get a data set may i may i share again because i think you missed a point in my original presentation sure i've yeah. gotten used to uh, these discussions uh, involving a lot of screen sharing so go for it tony okay um no worry at all thank you for that i'll just close that um, that's my rotation presentation, which is a completely different um, uh, thing. Uh, but okay, so if you if you remember my argument from down here, um, right? So the 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 flat Earth model tells us that um, it tells us that. Uh, as you go south, the distance between points of a given longitude must increase. Okay, but here we have 
points that are in the northern hemisphere and at the same latitude and points that are in the southern hemisphere and at the same latitude. Um, and we can um, use the rail track length between them as an because the the rail track the rail tracks are mostly east west. So we can just divide those rail track lengths by the number of degrees longitude difference, and we can get the difference. And over here we see that in the northern here in the northern hemisphere, the distance along this train track is longer per degree longitude than it is in the southern hemisphere. That's the opposite of what should be happening. A degree longitude in the northern hemisphere should be shorter than it is in the long in in the in the southern hemisphere. And as I said in my presentation, we can go even further south. Um, uh, sorry, seem to have lost that. Um, seem to have lost that element. But um, the uh, but if we go to um, Argentina, we can see that the um, that the unit size per degree longitude gets even shorter, down to ninety three and a half kilometers. So we see that degrees in longitude get narrower as you go to the pole. They don't get broader. Um, uh, so you know, if we accept your if we accept your map, if we accept what it says, which is that degrees longitude should be extending, we can prove that that's wrong. We've uh, got railway lines; they can be measured, they can be walked. People travel between these cities. Um, we know how far it is. Uh, they have GPS units on them. They they record their positions. So you know this this argument that you've got that that the azimuthal equidistant northern hemisphere map um, works. It doesn't. It doesn't. When you were showing that, uh, just curious to, for clarification, when you were showing that uh, the the railroad tracks of the southeast United States and, and Australia, Florida, and and Australia. The, the point of emphasis there was those points between those dots added onto those railways, the, the I believe yes. the white and red red dots. So yes. um, so that it was actually uh, a, a wider span in the north. And I'm, I, I've, I've heard um, Neil Neil Tyson say that the the earth is actually bigger in the southern hemisphere. So uh, wouldn't that uh, conflate with the globe as well? Um, and and I, no. I would agree if what's that? No. Okay. The, 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 this pear shaped um, thing that you that you that you're all very keen on it's very um, slight. It, it, it's a very it's a very modest um, uh, uh, influence you would not see it um, if, you know you could look at the earth you would not see it if you were um, uh, on, a, on on a satellite you need very precise measurements in order to detect it and certainly more precise than a railway line Okay, railway lines are good. I mean, they're a fixed physical thing whose length we can measure, um, but you know they're not precise um, measurement um, devices. And and for the the railway, is there a they were that these the stretch of land that they took from Australia and the stretch of land that they took from um, from Florida? If you looked at both of them side by side, they're going to have equal topography amounts of, of variation in their elevation. Yeah, so those roughly, are yes. Okay. Um, and and I I would so then I would think if, if we are using uh, especially like, uh, but the, that actually that actually argues against you, right? Okay, let's assume that there is lots of up and down, and let's assume that there is lots of sides and side. The track length is still less 
than the flat earth estimate, right? Um, so the flat earth estimate is, is the flat earth requirement there is much, much longer than what is observed, okay? The, spher the spheroidal earth um, estimate is always shorter than what's observed, okay? Which, which it is, which is consistent with there being topography and little wiggles side to side. But the fact, but you need that line to be as straight as possible, and in some cases three times as long, in order to in order to match the observations, and that just isn't true. So I, I'm I'm curious because you're saying that the the rail length distance isn't what it should be on a flat Earth, but I I have yet to and I, I I'll, I'll take note that what was shown there for the maps were flat map portrayals of these land masses. Uh, but I, I would think that there would be, because I don't have a 100% accurate map of all of the continental landmasses of the flat earth, to, to assume the, the shape of Australia, the width of it, or what dimensions are on land, all we would be able to tell is, is by the length of the railroad tracks themselves. That would be our, our only kind of tangible ruler because anything else would kind of be like so, a rubber ruler. So what, you, so what you're saying is, that it doesn't matter that the data disagrees with your model. Wow. Your, your model, the fact that the data contradicts your model doesn't matter. Um, that That's not a concern for you. Yeah, well, I would not say that's my position. I would I would say if it if if in Florida, Florida one and position one and Florida position two requires uh, X amount of, of track to be laid down, no matter how much up and down or side to side meandering it has to go through to get there. I will claim it's going to take that much track to get there based on the the path that they took to connect those two distances. And the, the amount of track would be the same in Australia. And, and that distance is always consistent with the spherical distance formula. The amount of track you need, the amount of submarine cable you need, the amount of air fuel you need, um, is always consistent with the spheroidal distance formula. And it's never, well, it's um, not often consistent with the flat earth formula. It can be for some specific um, uh, uh, locations, um, but, you know, it's, it's not, um, you know, where our formula works all the time. And if that's the case, that means that earth has to be a sphere. But didn't you say that the globe predictions are tend to be under the actual amount of track used? Yes, because the tracks aren't perfectly straight. And yeah, and there's winding, and it's not it's not taking the straightest route yes. possible to get there. Yeah, that's right. So the 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 spheroidal Earth distance calculation is the shortest path possible. The train line isn't. Um, but even even allowing for that, you know, you in 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 the Australian example, you've got one thousand two hundred and eighty kilometers of track. And the spheroidal distance estimate is 1,242 kilometers. So it's accurate to within, you know, uh, um, within a few percent. Um, so, you know, the, the um, uh, I'd say that that's pretty good validation for the spheroidal distance formula. Um, you know, it's, it's, and this is, this is the thing that I'm trying to get whenever, you know, this is what I think the criteria should be. And I think that, you know, I, I agree with you guys that it's okay to ask questions. I agree with you guys that a lot of people think they know why the earth is flat, well, why the earth is spheroidal or flat, but they don't actually look at the data. But if we look at the data, 
and compare the models impartially, the spheroidal model performs better. Um, and that validates, go on, Matt. I already demonstrated with my opening statement that the globe theory is a contradiction. So therefore it cannot be a globe. Any um, computations you make, data, uh, computer programs, yes, you could make many beautiful mathematical equations. You could give me the equations about like how much Santa Claus weighs and how much cookies and milk he gets on Christmas and how many eggs the Easter bunny lays and what color the eggs are that the Easter how bunny is it a contradiction? The probability of the how, green. How is, it, how is it a contradiction? Oh, the globe theory? Where yes. would you like listen to my opening Take, statement? Let's do it again. Is garbage. Give me an example. How is it? A contradiction? In what way? In what way? The, the How is it a contradiction? Okay. The globe theory uh, suggests that the earth actually curves. How is that a contradiction? Okay. Let me illuminate this for you, T-Jump. I'm not trying to be weird, but if the theory is saying something's going to happen, and then we put that theory to test and we look in reality, and the, 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 the falls apart, like when we don't see any curvature over one mile, 10 miles, 100 miles, and it's non-existent. Therefore, to assert that there is curvature on the Earth is a contradiction. Therefore, That's... the first oh mandatory uh, conditional for there to be a globe is not there. Therefore, That's... if the first mandatory conditional is not there, and we can prove that it's a it's not there, that means it's a contradictory statement. No, no, that is literally okay. not what the word contradiction means. Okay. You need to Google well, what the um, word contradiction means. Okay, let's we could bring up the definition and then like put it into practice and see if uh, the definition of contradiction can be applied to uh, curvature and globe theory. All right, Doctor Tony, you had some thoughts there. Um... I did have some thoughts there. One, you didn't present any data. You didn't present any observational data in your opening, and you haven't presented any observational data in the in the entire um, discussion to date. So the claim that you did is not true. Um, I maintain the position that you see exactly as much curvature as would be expected given atmospheric conditions and your position, always under any circumstances and your claim to the contrary requires um, requires demonstration and you have failed to produce any observational evidence whatsoever supporting your point so your claim to have contradicted the globe is simply an assertion and without evidence and can be dismissed instantly may i respond may i respond uh, yeah. I gave sure all thing. kinds of info. I gave you info about how much curvature there should be over 1, 10, and 100 miles. I gave you the information about the alleged rotation of the Earth, which wasn't there. I gave you the information about the alleged tilt of the Earth, which wasn't there. I gave you information about the non-existent gravity. I gave you information about that. If you want observational data, my testimony is with my eyes at ground level, I could see for many, many, many miles. That's my personal testimonial observational data. When I go to a higher elevation, like a tall building or a hill, I can see there is no curvature. And I'm not talking about between two points. I'm talking about if I'm in the hills and I can see Santa Ana, Anaheim, Buena Park, 
right? And then I can see more than 20 miles, almost 25 miles away, and I can identify Long Beach with my eyes, and I can see there is no curvature, not just between two points, but over surface area. Now, I mean, you, I don't know if you know the locations I'm talking about. I don't know if you're familiar with Southern California, but it's like from Hollywood to Disneyland. It's flat, 100% flat. Can you see radio waves? Can I see them? No, I can hear them. I'm detective. Um, so, so based on your evidence, based on the fact that you can't see them, therefore radio waves don't exist. Dude, we could prove radio waves exist. We can prove the curvature. You say that, but vision. I can't. I mean, I don't see it. I um, can hear radio. So, so the, but we just established that the fact that you don't see something isn't evidence it doesn't exist. I could turn we on my radio and hear it. We established that for radio waves. Right. We can establish yeah. it for X-waves. We can establish it for atoms. Look, I listened to you prattle meaninglessly for about five minutes. So stop interrupting me. Um, you know, you, we just demonstrated that you not being able to see something is not evidence that it doesn't exist. So you claiming I don't see it, therefore it doesn't exist, is not evidence. It's not an argument. Meg, hey, dude, I told you I could listen to radio waves and then, yeah, they get blocked. Signals get blocked, you know? So we could prove that radio waves exist. Oh. But, I mean, you want to say curvature exists? That means... Honestly, that is like you're lying to me, saying we could see curvature. Oh and dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you, PhD Tony, there is no curvature on the earth over one mile, oh 10 God. miles, 100 miles. Must we listen to this for the fifth time? Must we listen to this guy just repeat himself? Let's just give uh, for a second there, Tony, just one second. Uh, okay. T-Jump. Uh, you're making a lot of noises that should be reserved for, you know, the 18 plus sections. So like, what's going on, buddy? What's <laughs> you're, yeah, you're making the a lot stupid of grown of everything. Matthew is unable to understand breaks my brain. So Tony was making a very simple point. Matthew's argument was dumb, was just stupid because he said, I don't see curvature. Therefore there is no curvature. Then Tony made a very clear point. Do you see radio waves? Like, no. Matthew admitted he does not see radio waves. So if Matthew's first argument actually worked, then by virtue of the fact he can't see it, it must not exist. So since he can't see radio waves, they must not exist. Since that argument fails in the case of radio waves, even if you can't see them, they might still be there. Then it also fails in the case of the curvature. Even if you don't see it, it could still be there. Which debunks his own argument. That was that was the full point of Tony's argument, and Matthew just completely did not understand that. And it was so simple. It's so so simple. I don't so think we're gonna forget maybe, this one, Matthew. Let's Nate, just let Nathan in right quick. Can, can I don't I, think you'll uh, forget could, though. If I can jump <laughs> I'm, in here I'm real quick. Track, and, and... Go, go uh, ahead. I'm, if, I'm giving the floor if, to uh, Nathan. If, I, if I could share my screen here real quick. Um so uh so what I have here. Uh, so let's let's take this claim of um, uh, and I'll try to be as clear as I can with this. So let's take this claim of is there curvature that we can detect? Say I'm skeptical that there's curvature. So we can look at something like um, bottom up disappearance and we could say that that is is more inferential towards there being curvature because something would go down a, a physical dip 
and then only part of it would be would be visible because of the curvature so um so if we look here this is on a this so now now a flat surface needs to be able to show what looks like bottom up disappearance what looks like curvature using realistic natural variables that we would expect to find if we were measuring for them out in the real world in the shared reality so this here is is a known flat surface and using temperature variation you'll watch as the bottom things the bottom of taller objects and then things that are, are shorter inherently are all removed because of this controlled variable uh and and so this is a recreation of what should support a globe but it's recreated on a known flat surface so now we we can look out because this is a what looks like a curved observation in reality now we can look to what would be a um a uh something that would show a flat uh, observation of reality, which would be these lights, which are all one foot high and observed from a viewer height of under one foot. They're five, six, seven, eight miles away, and they appear in a line. So if you if you graph them out, so this looks like flat. So now the globe, which is claiming contour, has to be able to recreate a demonstration where have we can seconds. have realistic variables. If, if you want to call it refraction, take any refraction you want, control it for a variable in a scaled experiment, uh, and and then repeat it and show to to scale that a curvature rate uh, would would be able to look flat because this is these are linear space lights that are exponentially curving further than each one than the last. So you would need to show that this can appear on a known curved surface to scale with the controlled variables, and it has yet to be done. Uh, to the, to, I've tried asking several, uh, a smorgasbord of times to a plethora of people, and I've yet to see this recreated on a known curved surface. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. That's oh, really interesting. May I have one last thing before I go, or if we go to the next topic? I just want to say about, uh, yeah, we can't see radio waves, but we can know they exist by, you know, sending them and receiving them. My point about the curvature is like, how would we determine there is curvature if it was not seeing and recognizing locations at well, further distances over I'll give you one full minute after he's uh, finished his point here. Go ahead, Matthew. But, but that was just my point is that, yeah, we can detect and send radio waves and then the curvature, the, the best way I could think of that's actually real, not a computer program or a cartoon, is to identify locations at long distances. That was my point earlier about naming all those cities that I have recorded. I should have had a bunch of things. You guys check out my YouTube channel, right? Uh, but yeah, there's it's no curvature. We don't see it. All right. There, to oh. say there is, it's it's a lie to say there is. Okay, we're going to give the floor over to Tony here. Just, uh, okay. As I that's said, the third time, that's the third time in this debate you've just called me a liar. Um, please don't do that. Um, the other point I would raise is, why can't I see Everest? If the Earth is flat, Everest is 10 kilometers tall. Why the hell can't I see it? Um, so uh, you, you keep on saying there's no evidence of curve. The fact that I can't see Everest is evidence of a curve. The fact that radars have horizons um, is evidence of a curve. Um, if if um, the Earth was flat, radars wouldn't have horizons. Um, you know, the uh, uh, there is a the 
there is a but the the fact that a degree of longitude covers different distances at different distances from the equator and that it decreases as you move towards the poles is evidence of curvature all of this stuff is evidence of curvature to claim that there's no evidence of curvature is nonsense that was perfect Man. that was actually a perfect minute my timer was just going off tony so that was like your okay. internal timer is oh. amazing uh go ahead matthew okay nathan mind if i answer why we can't see everest from where we are okay let me break this down for you phd tony there is such a thing as visibility. You could check it in your weather uh, app or whatever. And let me give you like personal observational testimonial information, okay? There's a mountain range. It's like 20, no, it's like maybe 30 miles to the north of me. Sometimes I can see it. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes the blue sky is in front of the mountains. That's it. That's why we can't see Everett. We can't see so, forever. So sometimes you, know? you can see Everest and sometimes you can't. No. no, my point is if there's mountains that are like kind of close to me and there's days when they disappear, like, I, you know, visibility is a thing. Okay. Yes. I'm yeah, not trying why, to why can't I see, why can't I see Mount Everest? You can, you, 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 you say Are you paying attention and, to what I just like, answered your question? I no, gave you, you didn't. All right. I, 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 hold on one second. I'll give you 10 seconds, Matthew, to clarify your question. And then, uh, yeah. Tony, the floor is yours. Yeah. To clarify, yeah. Uh, we can't see forever. We cannot see forever. The sky is, becomes opaque at a certain uh, distance. Visibility is a thing. And like I just said, there's close by mountains that sometimes the blue sky is in front of and I cannot see. All right, That's you, Tony. Okay, even if I accept this argument, if I fly up into a plane where there is no pollution, where I'm above the cloud and where I'm above mist, I should be able to see um, Everest. Um, you know, the, 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 claim, the, the claim that pollution or clouds or smog or um, some other obstruction obstructs Everest is demonstrably false. If, it, um, if that were the case, we'd see it as soon as we got into a plane and got to 10,000 metres. We don't see that. The idea that you can only see a finite distance is false. Um, you need to prove that. You're claiming that, and um, uh, you're, you're claiming that without any substantiation whatsoever. Where is your evidence that we can only see so far? We I can just see gave you stars. my personal testimonial I'm evidence. I'm still talking, sir. Ask me um, a question. We can see stars. That are some that are um, uh, that are a long way away without obstruction. Oh, so sorry. I was just saying you got another ten seconds there before Matthew and Jack. So go ahead there, Matthew. And uh, oh, I just want to say, no matter how high you go up, there's going to be like gas and air. You know, like there's going to be like oxygen. You, you keep going up. There's going to be all kinds of atmospheric stuff going on. And not only um, is there that, but when I mean, I don't mean to, to sound weird, PhD Tony, but when things are far away, they look small. Have you figured that out into your flat earth trash talk all right, all that right. when things are far away, they're going to look small? Like if I'm 100 feet away from you, dude, do you think I'm going to be 6'3"? If I'm 100 feet away from you, I'm going to look like an inch tall. Now, how far, how big do you think Mount Everest should be if it's, what, like 10,000 miles away from you? Do you think it's going to be its maximum height? Dude, it's I'm sorry to, to be, tell you. like, It's going to be taller than anything between it and me. There's nothing obstructing it. And, you'll climb, and especially if I'm at 10,000 metres, 
Um, you know, there's nothing obstructing it. There's nothing in the way. You'll claim that oxygen can obstruct vision. Please demonstrate it. Where's your evidence? I, before so, before you guys start responding, uh, Nathan, I will cede you the floor. Uh, but I just want to look at look at look at. Hold on one sec, y'all. Hold on one second, there, guys. All right, so I'm just got you on mute there, Matthew. Uh, before we carry into this, I do want to check with you guys. We've been going almost for what? It's an hour and fifty minutes now that I've had you. Um, I do want to check to make sure that none of you have any time constraints because uh, I have no problem to let you guys continue with this discussion. But uh, we've got four people here, everyone. Uh, if you're hanging out in the live chat, hit the like button. You know, this is a lot of uh, uh, discussion going around and a lot of effort getting put in here by the speakers. So. Um, does anybody have any time constraints? Speak now or forever hold your peace. Yes, I need to go to bed. You need to go to bed? <laughs> All right. Well, you, you you go to bed whenever you need to go to bed, and I will adjust for that. Uh, so just let me know. Uh, no problem. So I'll let you guys carry on with what you were discussing. I do did just want to check in there. So uh, no worries. We're going to keep tonight really chill. Uh, if you need to drop out, just uh, send a message in the Zoom chat and uh, carry on, fellas. Yeah, and um, if there are, I don't know if there's any questions specifically for for Tom or anything like that. But if, if there is and everything, and that you want to ask his, and then we could go back to discussion or anything like that. But um, it, I, I would want to say, uh, Tony, uh, I'd I'd like you to consider if you're looking at an object like Mount Everest, and and it would be taller as far as its true shape and size and height than anything in between you and it. But if you have Everest very far away, it's going to have angular shrink. It's going to look small. And so you can have an object that's closer to you. You could have a mountain before that that appears bigger because it, of its closer position to your eye. So your eye's angular resolution will resolve it bigger. And then there is also if you go up in elevation and you're looking out, uh, if you start to look down towards uh, and tilt down toward what you're looking at, a, a small mountain that will appear smaller, you're going to look back down into those things like debris that can block your vision. Water vapor causes magnification, which will distort things. There's a vanishing point because we have the ground going up and the sky going down. And so they're competing for visual data in our eye, what our eye can take in. And so when the ground light has met the competition line of the ground light, when the skylight and the ground light have met each other's competition line, they, they have competed to each other to the furthest resolution we can see distance wise. And anything beyond that would be would be vanished because you would only, you, it, going up in elevation, you would push that back. And if we could go high enough up, we would be able to see Everest, I'm, I'm sure from, from a, a high enough elevation, but we, we can't get there. Even NASA and all of them say we can't get past low Earth orbit, and all of those things are a problem to get high enough up. So you run into issues with that, which would it supports a, a, an enclosed system. But if, if it's free space above us in outer space, we should get high enough up to just take a picture of the Earth and settle the thing, uh, the whole discussion. But we can't. Uh, okay. But anyway, that's I just there are multiple variables factored into why Everest would be uh, hidden. Okay, can you provide a single academic reference for anything that you just described? Uh, or, is it yes, just, so or is it just garbled nonsense that you've heard from other flat earthers that you're reciting here as though it's meaningful? Uh, no, have there you, are, have so you personally studied optics? 
Uh, I've, I've done just a, a little bit of stuff with um, like organic chemistry and refraction labs. Um, but as far as like the magnification of the atmosphere, I haven't like tech, I don't think technically gotten into, into that, but I, there are um, like when they were talking about the, the horizon uh, or the skyline that was seen from Michigan of, of Chicago, the, the weatherman had mentioned that it was a superior mirage. And then they had gotten scientists who are globe uh, tenants. They had, said that the the atmosphere does act like a lens because of the water vapor and and so it, it does cause things to that are closer to you to to bloom up in your vision and to look bigger and so if something is looking bigger of your angular resolution it's going to crowd out other things and so that also will further restrict what you're able to take in through your okay the bit vision. about crowding out i need a reference for show me the textbook or the scientific paper where this crowding out phenomenon is is discussed and described. Could I give you a demonstration? No, I want a scientific paper um, describing and enumerating this option because what you're describing is actually not physical reality. Um. Okay, I, I don't think I'll be able to meet that request right now because I don't I don't have a paper uh, on that specific topic. Okay, um, my suggestion so to you is that you should actually, because I hear claims like this a lot, and um, they're generally made by flat earthers who actually don't have any formal training in optics and don't understand what they're talking about, and they might be well advised to actually get some training in some physics. Okay, uh, I, I agree. And I do think that the people who had mentioned that water acts like a lens in the atmosphere and causes magnification um, and, and causes optical phenomena um, and, and mirages and illusions, I, I believe they had some form of educational background. Um, yes. And did the, they tell you how often that happens? Is it a common thing or is it an uncommon thing? Uh, it varies by the the humidity in the air the temperature it's it's, it's uh, yes i know what i know what the functional variables are i'm asking if it happens a lot or if it happens rarely if it was on the news that is because it doesn't happen very often so um unusual conditions led to this phenomenon being observable on this particular day and they got experts in to explain why it happened that does not mean that you can invoke it to explain um, commonplace observations um, because it's a very unusual phenomenon and I know exactly how it I know exactly how it arises um, but it's not a commonplace event and so you appealing to it as though it can explain all of our observations all the time is not valid do you understand that uh, I, I understand but I, I think it is valid because there are we, it's understood that there are multiple conditions that determine how far we can see on any given day under any given set of conditions. And so let's say if we're in Michigan, that the furthest we're allowed to see with the clearest conditions that allow us to see the furthest are something that allows us to see the Chicago skyline, uh, which should be hidden by a pretty substantial amount of curve. But I would I would wager that the in on, on average, the, the weather of the area would tend to put the visibility termination line somewhere between Michigan and the, the water so that it actually prevents you from seeing 
Chicago. And even if you have fog around you, you're going to have your field of view limited to like 30, 40 feet. So it, I would say it's somewhere between those, those events that keep it very close and near and very distant. And most of the time, the conditions will put you, um, five miles out or 10 or 20 miles out. But then that would, if, if, if we want to take that to the Eratosthenes thing or, uh, or not the Eratosthenes thing, but the, the boats going over the horizon at three miles, how do we determine on what day, on what conditions, the actual limit of how far away we're seeing something go over it, the, the distance to how far out we can see changes so that our value would change. Um, and okay. so I, I think that can you, can you Google visible termination line for me because you use that term as though it was technical jargon can you google that for me and see how meaningless it is because it doesn't refer to anything that is real and while you do that i'll just remind everybody that uh approximately i you know i'm gonna say if, if you've got if you guys got more thoughts to get out that's all cool but approximately five to ten minutes uh, we should start engaging with the audience a bit with the i just uh, Q need &A. to duck off to go to the bathroom sorry to interrupt that's fine uh yeah if you need to use the washroom t jump you were shaking your head earlier uh you know when you were listening to uh some of what nathan was saying did you have any thoughts over there i think it would be faster to, to list the coherent things he said than the stupid things All right, Matthew, <laughs> you're making faces over there. We we have to. Tony is not here to engage right now, so uh, I know that you just said uh, a, a big part of your piece there, Nathan. So uh, I'll, I'll see the floor over to you, Matthew, and uh, see if we can get some engagement back and forth between you and T Jump uh, while we wait for. Uh, uh, Tony. And like I said, everybody get your super chats in. They'll be priority uh, read uh, to all the uh, debaters here. Uh, so uh, uh, go ahead, Matthew. Oh, well, hey, since the, the dude is, is a, oh, sorry. Could I, could I just have um, like 10 seconds to explain why I use the term like visual termination line? Okay. 10 seconds. Sure. Uh, so I, I use that word just to try to convey a meaning of, of us having a, a vanishing point due to our perspective of the bot, the ground and sky colliding. So I was just trying to use terminology that would convey an image to be able to follow along. But I, there, uh, there might be so, a different technicality for the word or anything like that, so, so, but I do apologize to for me, the wording. To me, it sounded like you're appealing to something that is absolutely not demonstrated to exist to explain something that you can't demonstrate using physics. That's what it sounded like to me. Okay. Uh, any thoughts on that? Sorry, go ahead. And actually, I, I'd like to say something else. This is why I don't like using optical evidence. This is why I prefer using length scales, um, submarine cables, flight paths, navigation, um, uh, earthquakes, atmospheric waves, because whenever you get into these discussions about what you should or shouldn't see, it always boils down to um, fairy tales about um, optics being different from we understand it to be. Um, you know, the, the limit of refraction or Rayleigh's criterion or whatever magical phenomenon pe um, people want to want to appeal to. Um, and it's why I prefer to stick away from these blurry out of focus photos um, and actually stick with something that is measurable and repeatable. All right. I th that was fascinating. I think this might be a good time, Agreed. everybody, to move into our Q&A. 
Uh, we got lots of questions that are coming in. And if you're hanging out in the live chat right now and you want your question to be asked, uh, get it in there as a super chat, and that will ensure that we read it before the end of our debate. Uh, so let's get into it, everybody. And once again, smash that like button as if it owes you money. Ambient Guitar Music says, question 40 jump. Why does Polaris never move? Um, you mean in the sky it does. It's not completely stable. Any other thoughts on the panel there? Or do we want to move on? Yeah, we've got uh, abundant we've got abundant observational evidence that it moves. Um, we've got abundant observational evidence for a precession of the equinoxes. The equinoxes are observed to process by about 50 arc seconds every year. So the claim that the stars are stationary um, is uh, is just a result of not actually looking with sufficient precision at the data sets involved. All right, let's carry on. Unless you got any thoughts on the other side, hey, Matt? Can I? Can I? Can I take this? Yeah, point? go for it. Because I was listening, but I, you could go for it. Okay, so uh, with with Polaris, the the talk about the precession of the axis is that you have like this this arc in the sky that gets traced and the earth over 26,000 years is claimed to make a 360 oh, degree yeah. circle. And so Polaris we'll say has been the pole star for about 500 years, which would be about, we'll just say it's about seven degrees of arc in that sky. So it took 500 years to get that seven degrees. And the claim is that only within the, so that only within the last or in the next hundred years, will we approach the pinnacle where Polaris is the most aligned with the axis of our rotation. So we're not even at the peak of Polaris being the pole star. So that means in 500 years, it covered 6.99 degrees of, of the arc swing. And then the in, in the last 100 years, it's going to cover a very small portion of the sky and, and aligning itself. So that would turn this this arc that casts over 2,600 years, and it would it would it would essentially make a sky path that looks something like this, where this part here is taking a lot of time and the and uh, this narrowing here, and then this can get covered, this swath can get covered very quickly, but it's claimed to be a gradual, uh, a gradual swinging of the arc through the do sky. You, do you know what, according to the zodiac, according to astrology, what star sign should you see at dawn on the spring equinox? I, I don't follow stars signs. Okay, so it would be the um, it, it would be Aries is supposed to be there, but if you get up in the morning and you actually have a look, you won't see Aries because Aries isn't there. It's Pisces because the stars have changed because of precession since the zodiac was developed. Also, if you bother to get up and actually observe stars rather than opining about them. Um, without any observational evidence, you will notice that Scorpio is barely in the zodiacal belt anymore. Um, its place has been largely taken by the constellation of Eucus. So the claim that there is no procession is falsified instantly um, by the observed procession of um, the zodiac since Hipparchos um, uh, compiled his star charts and since the Chaldeans compiled their star charts before him. Uh, I, I would refute that with the Chaldeans being a flat earth culture 
and that there are cycles to the sky and cycles within those cycles. And so some cycles will take longer because the sun's grand hierarchy of cycles takes a different time than the stars. Over time, we could expect that the sun will go through different uh, uh, zodiac signs. Uh, as so it, you as do concede the that the zodiac does ch does change, and that the mm -hmm. um, and that um, and that the position of stars changes. Hey, I would throw it out there that no, Polaris is not moving because there's megalithic structures that line up with Orion, and if the stars were tilting or if some other uh, bigger like thirty thousand year cycle is taking place, that would not align perfectly with. The pyramids and uh, Polaris would not be exactly above the North Pole. And to answer further questions about Polaris, it looks like it's turning. It's in one spot turning. Uh, I think it's the one degree. Um, I'm not sure how to describe it. It's it, it's like it's just turning in its spot. It's not moving anywhere. You know, I don't believe that stuff where they say like the it's going to shift to a different pole star because if it's not moving now and it wasn't moving 10 years ago and it wasn't some other place 100 years ago probably like in a year and in 10 years and 100 years from now probably going to still be in the same place hopefully we're all alive to you know know right hope we all live long time to see that pole star stay put for another thousand couple thousand years <laughs> so you don't care what the high precision observational data is you're just not going to believe it no, I look at the stars. I, I, I track what's going on. Uh, I compare it to what I've seen throughout my life. And I see that there's no tilt, which should happen every year. I mean, tilt, that's not something that would take 100 years to see if it happens or not. Allegedly, tilt is the reason we have seasons on the globe Earth. But your the sky is not Your inability to see tilt is largely a product of your inability to properly understand um, uh, how it how it would be detected, but we can the tilt that we see is the um, is the angle between the plane of the ecliptic and the celestial equator. Are you claiming that the sun is always over the equator? No, I'm claiming uh, that so the, the path of the sun the is at an theory, angle to the equator. Right? Please don't interrupt me, PhD Tony. I what asked I'm you a yes or no question. No, what I'm saying is that yes no we see is non-existent. What was the question again? Because that's what I mean. We can. Is the plane this is the, the first question, guys. So keep those questions coming equator. in. Go ahead, Tony. What is the plane? Is the plane followed by the sun always over the equator? Is the plane followed by the sun always above the equator? You mean the yes. path the sun takes? Are you talking yes. about the Tropic of Cancer? Yes. Uh, no. In summer, the summer solstice, that's when it's like at the edge of the Tropic of Cancer. Then when it's uh, well, winter. Is the Tropic of Cancer the equator? Please don't interrupt me. When the is sun's the Tropic of Cancer the, the equator? It's called the Tropic of Capricorn. That's when we get the winter because the sun, okay. the path. Ten seconds. The path of the sun expands and contracts throughout the year. That's how we have seasons. There is no tilt. Okay, so Tony asked a clarifying question. Hold on there, Nathan. Nathan, so, uh, Tony asked a clarifying so, question. Over to you, Tony. Okay, so the Tropic of Capricorn and the Tropic of Cancer are not the equator. Therefore, yes. the sun is not always over the equator, right? 
That was my question. Is the sun yeah, okay, always yes. over you're, the equator? You're, you're right. No, the it sun isn't. is not always over the equator. You're right. Okay. So the angle that the path of the sun makes with the equator is the ecliptic angle. That's the obliquity. Saying that the obliquity is zero would require that the sun is over the equator. So you're saying that something that we observe isn't real. No, I'm saying the globe theory is lying about what's happening in reality. I'm saying, yeah. How so? Like you just said, I mean, what do you mean about the sun? You just said you thought the sun would always be over the equator. No, no. I just explained to you. The sun has a no, path over the earth, right? Don't the sun has a me. path over the earth. It goes from the Tropic of Cancer in the summer. Then it goes over the equator. And then it goes down to the Tropic of Capricorn, giving us winter. Then it comes I'm, back. Then I'm it comes going back to ask that he cut off me because he's lying about what I said. No, I'm not. I'm listening okay. to you, man. I know love you, wanna, you, Tony. I love you. All right. I know you want to jump in here and there, Nathan, but uh, let's move on to the next question there, guys, because we got lots of questions and I'm sure eventually we'll come full circle. We always do. Uh, Malavaya, glad to see you're hanging out there, buddy. Uh, you know, a big critic of mine originally, but uh, we grew to love each other and uh, I really appreciate uh, He's an honest guy, so that's cool. Personal incredulity, poisoning the well, ad hom. How many more fallacies this dude uh, gonna unleash in his opening? Oh, oh, he's still spicy. Uh, so Malavaya, I think he, uh, I'm not sure he's coming after there. So he says, poisoning the well, ad hom. How many more fallacies is this guy gonna unleash in his opening? Uh, who do we think that's for? Malavaya, you didn't really specify. Uh, let's continue on. Malavaya goes on to clarify five dollars thank you so much malavaya and keep the super chats coming in guys we really appreciate this to carry the conversation forward and uh get those questions in tectonic plates cannot work on a flat earth earthquakes cannot work on a flat earth because uh flat earth being caused by tectonic plates stop your nonsense already okay i think that uh clarifies the first question so he accused you guys of poisoning the well and then um, is saying that your explanation for the tectonic plates is not accurate. So, uh, thoughts on that, there, Nathan and Matthew. Uh, you want to go first? Quick. Yeah, I'll just I'll just real quick throw this out, and then uh, so with the the terminology itself, plate, it's kind of like airplane. It the a plate itself is is a, a flat surface. Uh, <laughs> there are plateaus, abyssal plains. Uh, there are these these flat features, flat referenced features throughout um, tectonics. They they are they are something in the ground. There's there are, are structures, and if there's a jostling of them, maybe if something hits it from this side and then uh, causes it to wiggle, you're going to measure something on the other side of the plate, and that could send something through. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think that that the, the term plate itself it, it's a it's a piecing together of these these sheets uh, as far as at, at a certain elevation, and uh, and and they they're, they're moving around. Uh, depending on how much oil lubricant we take out from within the, the earth and everything. Good one. May, may I add just a little bit? Okay. I live in Southern California. Yeah, we, got earth, we got earthquakes all the time. Okay. All the time. Uh, the street line setup, it's perfectly like north, south, east, west. If you look on a map of like where I live, they're all lined up north, south, east, west. So if there was plate tectonics shifting around, the 
there would not be that alignment. And I would just tell you guys, yeah, look at my area. It's uh, like Fullerton, Anaheim, Buena Park. The streets are all like perfectly like miles. They're like squares. And they align north, south, east, west. So that's proof that there's no plate tectonic shifting going on. There is, there are earthquakes. There's stuff happening beneath us. There's geothermal activity. Um, you know, like what makes lava and all that. I mean, I have my own personal opinion that beneath us is hell. So there could be all kinds of weird stuff going on below, but rightly so above us. If there's hell beneath us, that means heaven's above us. And there's all kinds of like electricity going on in the sky. And it's amazing. It's beautiful what the creator did and where he put us. Thanks, and, God. And with with, with I, earthquakes, I cannot... too, there is there are events and things that happen at faults and, and where plates meet and merge. There there might be at least like subduction and things that can happen convection and, and everything that can happen with those plates and how they interact with each other at those at those faults. All right, over to you, Tony. May I say something here? Yeah, over to you. Okay, A, um, uh, the naivety of the discussion was transparent in the sense that you have not done any calculations, for instance, of how, beneath, how much material is being produced at the mid-ocean ridges or how much material is being subducted. We have done those calculations based on the length of those features on a globe Earth, and they match. So as much material is being produced as it is being subducted, which leads to equilibrium in the um, geometry of the plates. Um, the claim that plates do not slide past one another, um, as was uh, as was adduced just a little while ago, I'd like to start. I'd like to share my um, screen again. I don't think Ryan is there right now, or is he? Okay. Just play it. Let's watch it. Yeah, we're cordial. Just a second. This is an image taken from the um, uh, taken from the Alaska earthquake of 1969, where a school was ripped in half. Landslide? Um, nope. An earthquake. Yeah, it looks like it just slid. It the whole earth. Yes, but it was yes, but it was actually yeah, an earthquake. The earth ripped it, open. That looks like a landslide. Cool yes, pick though. Except that it was an earthquake. You can yeah, look so, at the Anchorage yeah. earthquake. There's earthquakes. I agree with you 100. percent Sorry, sorry, sorry. Apologies. Love you. Okay, so it's so you know it doesn't matter what data you see you're always going to explain it away as somehow fake or somehow um, it's not what it appears to be or somehow um, magically um, the earth is flat regardless of what you see. Dude, um, are you I telling me that, that picture is your proof for, for plate tectonic shift is like a, a building that looks like there was an earthquake and a landslide? It looks like it was ripped in half by motion of the, by motion like of the plate. We have, we, have, uh, we have thousands of examples of faults, shear faults, that have ripped laterally, and then one of them has moved vertically. We've got lots of That doesn't of mean the whole faults. Earth is that. There could be um, things happening, yes. Um, but your claim was that, you know, nobody claims that these things happen everywhere. They happen at plate boundaries. So yeah, the fact that they happen that, around plate boundaries. Yeah, my claim is I live in an area where there's earthquakes all the time. 
And, and so you know, you're an expert have, on earthquakes. You know what we have? We have mudslides. Was that school at a plate boundary? Just Yes. That All was right. on a plate boundary. Okay. Yes. One thing I will say for and I think it's very important to note this. I, I think it is worth noting that uh, we do need more people going to school for trades and learning how to make infrastructure that can withstand earthquakes. I think that would be good for that's, everybody. So that's easier said than done for shallow earthquakes. So okay. in Japan, there's a lot of work that's been done on earthquake proofing buildings and sky rises, but they can do that because the earthquakes are reasonably deep. Whereas along the uh, along the coast of Alaska and along the coast of California, they've got very shallow events, um, and there's a lot more vertical earth motion because they're not having they're not having to um, lift up as much earth. But the um, idea that because you live in California, that makes you more of an expert on that makes you more of an expert on earthquakes than seismologists and geophysicists is absolute nonsense. Um, no, it's drivel. Don't allow him to respond to that. It's it's fatuous gibberish. Well, we are going to have to move on, everybody, because we have all kinds of questions coming in. So Ameridon says, if it is true that the Earth is flat, then why is it the case that we know for a fact items weigh about 1% less at the equator compared to the poles? So the uh, Elias effect shows that there is a an influence of the sky above us on matter on this Earth. Uh, if you look at how pendulums are during an eclipse, which uh, should have no bearing on what the if, if, a, if a pendulum, a full cult pendulum, for example, is exclusive, only motion derived from that is due to the ro supposed rotation of the Earth, the aligning of celestial bodies that has def uh, a negligible amount of gravitational influence, especially considering the results that are get during the Elias effect, you can get pendulums that will swing differently. And so now if you look at objects that were weighing on the earth, if you look up at the sky and look at a time lapse, you're going to see stars that are north or south of the equator appear to turn almost into a point because they're getting smaller and smaller, the circles. So you're getting more angular turn over less distance. So there's going to be more angular motion imparted into objects or influence imparted into objects. Whereas if you're at an at the equator, it's going to go straight as it as it influences and imparts into the object, and so that that can fluctuate. The um, if you have something in, in a fluid, it, it can weigh differently depending on how it's traveling uh, and, and the medium that it's in and everything. So the the, the direction of, of the the flow of the, the fluid flow um, could alter can and, I ask, and shift. The where weight. is your observational evidence? Show it. Can they, you present any observational evidence for this? Uh, so they they weigh objects and they weigh differently depending on where they're weighed, and then we can uh, we can tell that there is an influence of phenomena in the sky that affects how things behave that, on the that, earth. Because you're of the not effect. doing what I asked for. I asked for evidence, and you're just repeating yourself. What is your evidence for what you are claiming? All right, last 20 seconds there for you, Nathan. Let's uh, carry on with the questions. Uh, yeah, so if, if I am going to, um, if, I, if I put uh, water, uh, a, a scale or something that can detect pressure in water and I push straight at it, uh, it it's going to get more of a direct, a more blunt pressure reading than if something is, 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 um, is arcing across it. It's going to have less direct initial impact and then the, the reading difference would, the, the the difference in readings would be would 
be there because you have a whole force hitting something at once or or the very tip of an arc and then more would crash into it as the rest of the the the, the arc catches up to hitting that pressure plate all right that was for was that evidence so that one explanation that one was for Nathan and Matthew. So we're going to carry on from there. Uh, Kango 44. Thank you so much for hanging out in the live chat and uh, your super chats. Uh, we appreciate everybody uh, who has already asked their questions. Let's carry on. Mr. Beast spent 50 hours in Antarctica and filmed the 24 hour sun. He was not stopped by the army. He also did not see a huge ice wall. Matthew is uh, having some some thoughts there. Go ahead, Matthew. So, okay, really quick. Let me let me get this one, Nathan, about the 24-hour sun video. Okay, in Antarctica, I saw it, right? I saw a couple of them that did look like total fake CGI. Honest, I'll say it. The shadows weren't moving. Okay, but to the I saw one, and I thought to myself, mm. what if this is just the North Pole, and they just flipped it, like mirrored it? So I'm like, yeah, that obviously, that's one thing, but... In today's day and age, um, listen, they can make realistic videos of Taylor Swift performing fellatio on President Trump. So, I mean, come on. Oh, they did right? Let's all go down to open up that article. Let's go. Let's all go. Let's let's get those ships. It's already let's open. That's how Mr. Beast got there. It's open. Anybody can go there. And Anybody I'll trust can Mr. Beast. Hey, you know what the so number of the beast is, T-Jump? Any person so, can go there. Six. Six. That's six, not a real number. As, as we confirmed, it is, it is a great beast. Iron Maiden album. Let's continue on to the next question that Kango asked. Kango 44. In a flat Earth, Antarctica goes all the way around the disk. So from anywhere on Earth, you could travel in any direction, excuse me, and get there. Why would you have to travel south to get to Antarctica? So when you're considering uh, the way that you would travel, like as far as cardinal directions go on a flat Earth, you have to consider what the, the model is claiming. So if you look at uh, a flat Earth map like what Matthew is showing here, North, if you were looking at a compass, which compasses always point to north, despite they're supposing to be a south pole, it will point north and then south is anything directly 180 degrees diametrically opposed to north. So that would be that would mean if your compass, if you have a compass in your hand and it's pointing to the north, you are going to turn 180 degrees so that the, the compass is pointing directly at you and you travel in that direction you will reach Antarctica because both models claim, according to our magnetic declination and the way that our compasses work and that we navigate, south is away from north on both models. Circumnavigation is east and west, and that's possible. You make circles on the uh, above the circle of a flat Earth or around the circle of a sphere Earth, but east to west, circumnavigation is the only way. And going you'll on both models, they claim the same thing. North is towards the the way the compass points, and if you go 180 degrees, you're south. All right, I think we can move on from there, if that's all right with everybody. Mm -hmm. All right, no objections over here on the panel. Well, we we can, we we, have, we can have compasses that actually do point to the South Pole. Go yeah. ahead. Actually, I, I was going to mention that in the Southern Hemisphere, our compasses are um, our compasses use the Southern um, magnetic pole to point, but. They're just going to say that that's bullshit and not agree. So, um, what's the point? Let's move on. Okay. Oh, let's is that carry factoring on. in declination? I'm, I'll I'll look into that. I, I I've not heard that, but that's that's not having declination make it appear to point at a south pole. That's actual. It's 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 homed in yes. on 
a, a magnetic salt pool. Okay. All right. Let us do carry on, because we do have quite a few questions to get through. Dr. Dino says, Geology is great for showing the Earth is a globe. Earthquakes release P and S waves. P waves go through liquids, S don't. Measuring them lets us see an outline of the liquid outer core. The way the P waves refract through the core shows us there's a solid core at the center. Geo rules. Thank you, Dr. Dino. Love you, buddy. Thoughts panel. Is yeah, that... So, so that's something that um, uh, I didn't dwell on in my presentation, but there's a thing called the P-wave shadow zone um, as it, where the P-waves slow down. So that if you remember that presentation I was showing, um, can I show it again or am I pushing the friendship? Well, I was say, it's quite a bit of screen sharing, but uh, yeah, if you can keep it to like 30 seconds, that's cool. Uh, let's see uh, what you got there. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. No okay. problems. Don't worry. All right. So um, this is the, um, this is the area. So there we go. Okay, so, so as you, so as you, sorry, this is the, this is the wrong, wrong presentation, but whatever. As you converge in, the P waves slow down, and so you get this area here, at about um, what is it, twelve hundred seconds, so twenty minutes afterwards, you can see that there are no blue lines, no blue um, circles, and it keeps on staying that way for a while. The P waves don't arrive. That P wave show, and then they start arriving after a while. That is because P waves travel more slowly through fluid than they do through um, everything else. So that, and so here you're finally getting the waves coming through the coming through the liquid core. So the fact that the P waves, this P wave shadow zone, which always occurs at the same distance from whichever earthquake you've got, um, is always caused by. Um, so it tells us. Um, you know, again, as Jupiter was saying, um, you know, we've got thousands and thousands of earthquakes. We've got thousands and thousands of observations. They all behave like this. They've all got this P wave shadows. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, any other thoughts there? If we can keep it to thirty seconds before we move on to the next question. Ahead, this is really quick. I, I thought they're they're all talking about the core of the Earth. It's like, oh, it's solid. No, it's liquid. It's like, how can we get down there and actually verify these uh, fairy tale stories about what's going on so far down there? What is it that scientists can make all these guesses and we just take it as the truth? And people can't get down there to the core of the Earth, thousands of miles. Guesses, guesses, assumptions, fairy tales. Oh, that's it. Basic okay. the, 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 um, Matthew, have you ever had a child? Oh, no, not yet. Okay. Are you aware of the concept of ultrasound on pregnant women? Yeah, you're talking about when they put okay, the device. Okay, that's exactly right the same technology, right mate. World, it's exactly right? the same technology. It's that's sound waves traveling through a body. Right. Dude, okay. dude, that's a bad example because the, the, ba the, the baby is right there, not thousands of miles away. If it's the radio the waves work in one end, all right, guys, hold on. Exactly let's let's let T jump in because he hasn't. Like I said, he's not had much of the floor here. So T jump, go ahead. So if if waves can be used to measure thing at one inch, they can also work at a mile and ten miles. The same science works at every distance. That's why we can see like stars and stuff. 
waves. No, with the sea stars, you're talking about scanning the Earth, scanning yeah. thousands of miles yeah. into the right. I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you, but that's what I'm hearing. That's yes. what I I don't believe. I don't believe these do, fairy do tales stop working. Do you waves want me stop to believe something? That's Hold the problem. On, Matthew, stop, Matthew, stop, Matthew, Matthew, just do one second. waves stop working? If you just go a farther distance, do waves just, just suddenly stop just being depends. waves? It depends on what types of waves, I guess. I don't know. What waves are you talking about? Radio waves? Television? Like, because what happens if the, the television waves. signal gets bad, right? See it from behind a mountain. To propagate through without obstruction, I think it would go until it hits a boundary of the medium. Yeah, sounds like pretty good. Driving, pretty good. So, and I'm so hearing the radio, right, Hold on, right, Matthew, 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 Matthew. One second, stop, please. Stop, stop. Let's let. Let's the T jump in here just for a second. Like I said. Um, Pitch. I don't. What is your, is your name? Pitch. His name's Nathan. Nathan. Yeah. Nathan, Nathan it's, it's, is correct. Yeah. As long as there's a medium for the wave to propagate through, it'll continue to go and then bounce back with signals. Guess what? Earth is a medium. Big rock stuff can travel through it. So, so if we send a radio wave or vibrations through it, it'll continue to flow through it until it hits something and bounces back. So, just like the example of a baby, if the wave goes through it and bounces back, we'll get a signal. Just like it would for the Earth, Earth, unless uh, there's like a big gap there. So yeah, like I just said, the baby's a lot closer than thousands of miles away. And uh, like I said, if you're in a car listening to a radio and you go into a tunnel, you're not going to be able to really get it too oh well. All right, there's so many that. things that could stop it. And you want me to believe that you can, these waves, right, they're going to penetrate thousands of miles to a place no one can go to or verify. You want me to believe your equations. Well, right. I reject we, over we, to Tony. We sense the, the earthquakes on the far side of the earth, don't we? So Do you have, I showed yeah, an equator. I showed, Matthew, I, showed, Tony's time. I showed an earthquake. Okay, I'm still talking. I showed an earthquake at Macquarie Island. The waves traveled all the way to the North Pole. And indeed on the flat earth, they traveled all the way to the far side of the flat earth. So you're claiming that, well, the waves don't travel that far. Demonstrably, they do. That's the surface. Um, well, they 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 travel through the earth, right? We can uh, don't don't worry your pretty little head about it. I guess. Well, thank you. Love it. Well, let, let's so suppose the world surface. is flat. Let's just let's just, right, let's just the suppose the world surface. is flat for a minute. Just one just, second, just, there, Matthew. Just, suppose the world is flat. Earthquakes do the happen. There are vibrations, and the vibrations travel oh. from one end of the earth to the other, which means they necessarily travel that far. Even on a flat Earth, they still travel that far. On the surface. Which is still far enough. Yes. Oh, so, so you admit you're wrong? But no, there could be machines that could feel that. What's my point? What machines are down yeah, in the center yeah. of the Earth that you could verify the signals? This <sighs> might be a good time to move on, guys. Uh, we got lots of more questions. LJ coming in. LJ, you got a nice new fresh picture there. Look at the fly, buddy. In the globe model, you have to believe when you watch the sunset, you are on a ball falling over backwards faster than the speed of sound. Do you feel it? Well, that one is for Tony and T-Jump. Let's uh, keep these to one minute and we can get you guys out of here um, at a good time. No, you no, you don't. But you only feel accelerations, and um, uh, the acceleration involved with the Earth's rotation is small, smaller than your vestibular system's ability to detect. All right. Any other thoughts there, T Jump? Before we we move on. Potato. 
All right, Kango44, can Nathan and Matthew please give us their PhD credentials? Ooh, the industries they work in that use applied sciences and the papers they have published. Kango hey, is coming right for you. Hey, my PhD credentials? Hey, I'm keeping Tony on his toes pretty good. He's a PhD, isn't he? I, no, that's you, my you PhD credentials. Oh. We're banging it. Okay. Me, I'm I not a PhD. Feel, feel free to Dang use me PhD as a reference. Feel free to use me as a reference for your intellectual capacities and see how well that works right. out for you. I'll show them the yeah. video. This debate. Oh, this, is... this guy's a PhD, ladies and gentlemen. A PhD level, like a doctor. He's All the right. man. All right. This was well, already Anthony, kind of a Anthony's, caddy Anthony's question. PhD is well earned, difficult to attain. That stuff is legitimate and uh, for credentials. I had to change my major because of something that I went in school uh, in with uh, something I got into with with the the school system and an inaccuracy in what we teach. That it's more based on, about evolution, but it, it was obstructing my ability to carry my nutritional cardiology degree forward. Um, and I, I could talk about that, but yeah, no no credentials right now. But and you don't have to have a, a credential to be interested or to want to learn or to to talk about topics uh, and especially if you have someone like Tony who is able to explain things very well uh, it makes it a lot uh, you know learning becomes an easier process uh, but yeah those the, those oh. PhDs are, are definitely earned all right well thank you so much Nathan and uh, you're very kind thank you yeah uh, that's very nice of you and uh, let's carry on guys uh, LJ why don't we have real non CGI videos of space do you mm -hmm. want to answer that one T jump we do. <laughs> nice and short and sweet. Uh, Tony, why don't we have real non-CGI videos of space? Any thoughts there, or do you want to carry on? We do. It's just the, the, the reflexive dismissal of any evidence that runs counter to their um, belief system as being false um, traps them. Um, if they see something, they instantly conclude that it must be false, that it must not be what people say it is. Um, and it's kind of sad to see um, people fall into such paranoiac um, holes. All right. Well, the nut -uh, the nut -uh hey, can, can I, uh, can I real quick just share my screen? I, I was going to say, I know the uh, natural human inclination is to want to respond. Uh, we do have more questions. Yeah, if I could just have like, um, like maybe 10, 15 seconds. When I said it was natural, I, you know, it was, uh, it, it's, it's warranted. They'll go ahead. If that's how you feel, let's do it. 20 seconds, just, 30 just seconds. If you I, can. I, I think it, it, it bears some, some ability to, to show the credibility of, of NASA and the images that were given. Um, so uh, this here should be my screen. So this is something I show. These are images supposed to Just be of the same earth, the ahead. same data set. Uh, so you have here, you have the continental United States taking up, what, about <sighs> an eighth of the entire globe. And then over here, you have it taking up about a 16th. So it's about half the size. And then you can get into um, things as well. Like um, this is Robert Simmons who talks about it's Photoshop, but it has to be. And then uh, this is actually part of his data set where you can see that there are these, these gaps in the data where they have to actually admit that they stitch it together, they paint it together. And then I, I had showed it briefly in my intro, but you have the duplicate cloud formations uh, somewhere in here. And so, uh, oh, right here. So you, you do have these things where you get these anomalies that might not be there. Clouds don't have the exact same shape in several positions. So just something to consider about the validity. If of it the was CG, why would they have to stitch it together? They could just make a whole system all like 
interestingly new shapes if it was CG. Why do they stitch it together if it's CG? It's just easier to copy commands. There's artistry involved. So you hit can copy I, and paste a bunch and, and duplicate the cloud. Can I ask you to go back to your first image, please, Nathan? Sure. Yeah. Let's uh, reshare that if you don't mind. And yeah, then, no uh, problem. Go ahead, Tony, if you have some thoughts. Okay. One of, one of the first exercises I had to do as, uh, as a research associate was map projections. So I had to make um, maps of uh, features on the earth. And this particular feature here is a common map projection. You get this by changing the observer height. That's all that is. Um, there's no fakery here. No, the, the size that North America takes up depends on how close you are. It's like if I put my hand close, it looks big. If I pull it away, it looks small. There's nothing, there's nothing nefarious about that. Um, it's just that one is taken from closer to the earth with a different camera than the other one. Um, so I, I, the, the properties of the camera and distance to the earth are the two factors that explain this, not conspiracy. So I, I would, I would ask to that when you show you, when you give the example of your hand, it's, it's the, the whole of your hand. If you, if you drew a, uh, like a smiley face on your finger or something, the, all of your hand is going to have its apparent size shrink and the smiley face in your hand. But but all I can are, all are, I like can the... tell you all I can tell you Nathan is that I've done these map projections. I've okay. I've mapped what this looks like from different altitudes, and this is an accurate idea of what it looks like. And if you don't think that it's an accurate idea of what it looks like from different altitudes, then I would suggest you haven't investigated it. Um, so because so why that's does exactly the what mass... I expect. So why does the landmass shrink, but not the water around it as well, like the whole totality? That's, that's just a that's just a visual. Um, you've you're looking at a, you're looking at a an object where they've both been scaled to be the same size. Um, in fact, in the camera, they wouldn't be the same size. One would be smaller than the other um, because, as you say, the object would be further away. So um, you're not comparing apples to apples or oranges to oranges here. Um, these but are two different the whole images. earth shrink, not just parts of land. Last thoughts um, for you, Tony. And we're moving okay. on. Okay. Um, so the um, uh, all I can say is that applying the laws of perspective to the earth, that's what you see from different altitudes. I can I can't explain it any more clearly than that. And you trying to find holes why that shouldn't happen. That, that image that you showed is exactly what I saw when I did this exercise. And, you know, you, you, I'm telling you what I did, what I saw from, from these things. And I think you need to stop sort of, you, I think you need to look into that um, in order to be better equipped to analyze it. All right, let's ask the next question. Can go 44 measure earth curve with total stations? You can do it in an afternoon, measure the rotation of the Earth with a pendulum or a gyro takes an afternoon. Do T-Jumps ham radio experiment. Can do it in a weekend. Uh, so Kango is basically saying that you can do these experiments. They're very easy is, I think, the bottom line of what he's trying to communicate there. Um, one minute. Uh, we'll try to keep this one. Uh, Nathan and Matthew. Oh, I'm interested in that uh, ham radio test. Um, I mean, yeah, you guys are smarter than me, right? But, like, don't they bounce radio waves off the ionosphere? I mean, are you trying to tell me that the moon is within the Earth's ionosphere? 
I have heard some things from like science people saying that the moon might be in Earth's atmosphere, but is that what you you did? Like you shot ham radio waves and bounced off the moon, and other people did the same thing to corroborate your data. Yes. So, how did your ham radio waves get through the ionosphere or the Van Allen radiation belts and successfully go right back to you? Uh, because different powers and wavelengths of radio waves can go different distances. Pretty simple. Nice, very, very, very basic, like eighth grade stuff. Nice. Uh, also, I didn't learn any of that. Also I didn't learn any of that eighth grade. I didn't talk about also, that. It also needs to be pointed out that um, not everything gets reflected from every surface. So you can have a, a half silvered mirror that will allow some of the signal through and reflect only some of the signal. So your mental image is that the ionosphere is a perfect reflector, that it reflects 100% of the wave um, um, on impact. Um, and I don't think that that's an accurate image. How about the idea that maybe the moon is small and local and it's not 250,000 miles away. It's actually, you know, a light that we yeah, see. Different. Sometimes it appears yeah. in the clouds. Yeah, Do you think there is, an, there, is an, there is an experiment called the Lunar Laser Ranging Experiment that bounces lasers off retro reflectors on the moon's surface. Do you have a picture uh, of these reflectors? Can we zoom in on it with a telescope and see these reflectors? No, you can see them in some imagery from um, lunar probes. Um, I don't. But, yeah, that sounds. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. Again, so there's evidence that doesn't agree with what you want to believe. So no, the, the premise behind right, right, no, 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 that's, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Let's move Matt, on to Matt, the next let me, let me let me close this one off real quick. Yeah, I, this there, was for you guys. Lunar, I know she came there, off mute, so go ahead there, uh, Nathan. There, there's a there's a lunar range uh, that we can try to do with the the light that we send to the moon and receive a, a signal back that we uh, are able to detect. Uh, and I think that we can estimate the, the distance of the moon based on how fast we take the speed of light and given the globe model. But we also have to consider that on a, on a flat earth, there would be different mediums like going through glass that would, that would change the, uh, the speed at which we receive the light back. And as far as detecting the curvature, I've talked to people who are, uh, work with geography, uh, geology, and, and seismology, and they're geodesic. Uh, uh, they're geodesically involved, and they say it's actually very hard to determine curvature of the Earth over um, distances mm. up to 100, 200 kilometers. All right, next one coming in from mm. Grover Reed says, "I have a solution. How about all flat earthers put their money where their mouth is and pull their money together, build a rocket, and take pictures of this flat Earth problem solved." Um, yeah, all I got to do is be a millionaire, and get all these credentials, and get all these politicians in my pocket. Yeah, fairy tales. You, you, you can go to south. You can go to the South Pole and the North Pole on your own. Doesn't take that much. You can do it. Oh yeah. Easy. Oh Someone yeah. Set a rocket yeah. up with a camera it. on it and, and just have it film the whole way live feed and, and have it go into space and show the the sphericity forget, of forget the space. Earth. Go to Antarctica. It wasn't difficult done, to get past low Earth orbit, but they have they have scheduled small steps that they want to take, the administrations and, and the government want to take to right. get us to these further away celestial bodies, but we're just not there yet because there's setback after setback after setback. All right, last word to you, Tony, there, and then we're going to move on. Okay. One, there, have been, um, there has been footage of um, cameras strapped to rockets that have gone into orbit. Um, two, the Artemis, um, uh, the Artemis uh, probe 
did make it um, to an orbit around the moon. So the claim of low Earth orbit is just false. And finally, you don't even need to go to Antarctica. You can go to Argentina and measure the length of that railway track, or you can go to Australia and measure the length of that railway track. Either of those observations permanently debunk the possibility that the Earth is flat. All right. If those track lengths are correct, you're just wrong. All right, let's carry on. I Kango would, would 44. Sorry, Nathan, we, gotta, we have to move on. I'm oh, so yeah, sorry. Okay. We got the, all these questions, and uh, I know T-Jump uh, said yeah. earlier he has to go to bed, and he's uh, can, carrying on. He, he's going to bed. Yeah, yeah. Peace out, guys. See you later. Hey, love you, T-Jump. Yeah, we've been out. Have a good one, Tom. Thank you. Thank you yep. so much. Having a good smooth, snooze, buddy. Right, thank you for being here. And I like we had someone to help me keep my sanity in this one. <laughs> Do you have sanity? We'll no, we'll find out no, after no. these few messages. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. All right. Oh. Let's carry on. We got all kinds of questions. We'll try to get through them. Thank you, Tony, for staying around on the uh, the other side to uh, answer the questions here. We'll try to get through them in under a minute uh, per question, okay. guys, uh, just to uh, uh, get everybody right out of here. Kango44, question for Flat Earthers. How far away is the sun? Is it closer than 8,000 miles? New York to Mount Everest is 7,500 miles. One minute. What do you guys say? I'll I'll say my my personal opinion, okay, Every, okay, like everyone should be just figuring this out for themselves, but it's difficult. What I kind of realize now, it may sound crazy, but the lights are they're projections of light from the other side of the firmament. There's no way to tell how high up they are, um, but for sure it's in some type of medium. And what I think is these uh, heavenly bodies they materialize here at our level something to do with the clouds it's i don't have the information i would love to be a billionaire and like hire a bunch of people that know what i'm talking about but that's what my personal opinion of like the altitude of the lights and, I, and i've been reaching out to other flat earthers that are like doing some like hardcore research and i that's like the best thing that i think would be that because people are having like a difficult time like tracking the sun and like what is the sun you know what I mean? Like, how is it possible that the sunlight can go to everybody? You know, the way light uh, walks on water, like if you look at the sun at an angle, how the light will come straight to you. It's mystical. Okay. Let's carry on. May I, may I can I, can I very briefly? Uh, oh, um, boy. We're, all right. As long as you ten, guys are good ten to hang seconds, out. Ten seconds, I promise. Um, what he means to say there is that the assumption that the planets, the stars and the sun and the moon are physical objects results in observations that are absolutely inconsistent with his theory. So he has to imagine that there's something else. No, no, no. I'm looking at reality. I'm, and, not, and I'm, not, I'm not jumping in with the assumption that everything's a ball. That's maybe your difficulty is jumping into this situation like everything must be a ball. The earth must be a ball. The sun must be a ball. Well, no, I'm sorry. The The lights point down towards us. I don't think the moon's a rock. That's why we all see the same face, no matter who's looking at it. We never see the other side. We never see any sort of like moon curvature, which is also very funny. The idea that the moon is curved, right? And I'll tell you something cool. I used my Nikon P1000 and took the best full moon video. And you know what? There's no craters on the moon only gold like glowing rings you can look at my youtube okay real, real quick 
Go the on, claim, Tony. The claim that there's no um, curvature to the moon is disproved by lunar libration. Um, so that's just a that's just wrong to start. Um, cool uh, word. Fancy word, dude. The, there are We're there are going. oscillations in in the energy uh, put out that the, the moon has that might might change surface features depending on if it's a, a sort of plasma. But I and I think this is one thing that I just want to um, hopefully make clear to people is if you're considering two different models that are trying to explain the the natural world, you you can't take what one paradigm says and apply it to the other. So there's a claim from the globe side that says we know the the exact distances of these objects right, that are very tough. far away, and and so we need to keep in mind that. The, the claim of, 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 a, of a flat earth, a biblical earth, is that we, we don't really know the heavens too well, so we don't have these kind of assumptions to make that based on this height and this size of an object like Venus was just estimated to be about the size of the earth, okay. and then they can do the math from there. Before the we get down another rabbit hole there, Nathan. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. I, I appreciate you, buddy, and I appreciate you guys uh, in the discussion. It's just that uh, I, I, I do know that uh, we had some, uh, like I say, some consent to the time frames that we were going to have for the debate tonight, so uh, let's just double check here. We got 10 minutes about um, at the maximum uh, to get you guys out of here that's that's three hours everybody you can't ask for more than that i mean we've done everything we can matters now says we have pictures of the other side of the moon with the moon passing in front of the earth to say we haven't is false after show on matters now question so you're, you're, you're getting that Sorry. image from people who can make it rain over fires and over our food when farmers are experiencing drought and the people don't make it rain to help our people and those are the people giving you these images based on the data uh, just something to keep in mind is, is you know, how willingness, their willingness to help us with our own tax dollars. They make 50, 60 million dollars a day. Are we giving it to Chicago, Detroit, Compton, uh, these places that could use the money? Um, they, they can do these types of things. They can put the fires out. They can make it rain. We have geoengineering technology. Operation Popeye is something that they did in, in war to against our opponents. So seconds. why don't we use it to help our own people? Uh, and, and then you have like the duplication of clouds and everything. So some of the and admittance to CGI, uh, something to keep in mind with the data that they're giving us. And we really can we cool. verify it from here. Yeah, you still got 15 yeah. seconds, Matthew. Just, just let me say, like, this systems of the earth, I mean, in my opinion, right, it's all controlled by Satan. Uh, we're awaiting the time when our king's going to return, and uh, it's going to get worse until that time comes. That's and there's nice. all kinds of deceptions on the earth. And I would say this globe religion is the biggest lie Satan's ever put on the earth. All right, let's carry on, guys. Mercedes F1 fan says, The false postulations and assumptions is not considered evidence. I demand empirical observations without electrical components, only a mechanical device which shows curvature, and I will acquiesce. Okay, then you can, mechanical, you can use mechanical devices to measure the track lengths and compare them against the spherical distance formula. And mechanical gyros that don't have an internal motor that can be uh, electromagnetically influenced actually do not appear to move. Uh, and these can be high precision. But if you get something like a gyro compass or something that can be programmed, calibrated, has internal electrical components, the, the ether is able to influence that. And, can, and then we can measure that uh, only one rotation, which is the star rotation, the sidereal rotation. We never measure. That's claimed to be an absolute motion. And then the orbit of the sun, the galactic orbit, and the galactic drift are all claimed to be relative. 
but you are adding those relative vectors onto an absolute motion. And so they should be picked up by our ability to detect because like Matt said in his opening, it's not an hour hand of a clock moving at half the speed. It's covering a large distance in the same amount of time. And that is sensitive enough for our light apparatuses to be able to detect solar orbit, galactic orbit, galactic drift, but none of those show up. Only the uh, ether rotation or the claimed rotation of the earth. They're equally valid mathematical frameworks. And it's what is our empirical tests show repeatedly. Okay, I'm going to object here because what you just said was absolute nonsense. There is no scientific evidence verifying the existence of an ether. There is no scientific evidence um, verifying that ethereal rotation has any influence on gyroscopes. Um, there's absolutely no substantiation for anything that you claimed in that torrent of word salad. And I recognize that Witsit is the source of it, but you should know better than to vomit stuff that is absolutely contradicted by every scientific organization, every scientific institution, every professional scientist and every scientific journal on the face of the planet. Um, and to, to, to succumb to just vomiting deranged nonsense with no factual validation whatsoever is a disservice to what you've come here to do. We're supposed to be engaging in a debate and you making a series of fallacious claims that such and such is um, without any evidentiary basis whatsoever. You didn't produce any evidence validating you. You just made the claim. This is due to ethereal um, rotation. No, it isn't. And you haven't produced a scintilla of observational evidence to back that up. Neither has Witsit, neither has Ken Wheeler or whoever the hell prattles on about it. So please, when you make a statement, you're hypothesizing, you're hypothesizing, don't state it as reality. If you say, we theorize, we think, we believe, okay, I will let you get away with it. But when you say this is so, you are you need observational evidence. Otherwise, you're lying. Oh my God, dude! I uh, wish I could. I, I, I would, no, I would no, I, I get the final say here because this question was directed to me. He is okay, not technically wrong on that, me. but we should move on. That is correct. Okay. This this could spiral us back into a whole lot of stuff. So let's well, carry on. take your own advice, dude. Don't no, don't blame other people. No, no, no. We, we just go. Matthew, just hold on. We're just going to ask everybody to be mature in this moment, and uh, okay, let's carry on. Jay Sturm, I have never seen a more eloquent and art. Uh, eloquent and articulation of reasoning than Tony against flat earthers with the earthquake. Can Tony go into more specific details about the rate of waves versus under the crust? Uh, all right. So this one's for you, Tony. They want you to go into more detail and then we'll carry on. Yes. So P wave and S wave velocities can be um, calculated from observations from how long the waves take to travel, but we can also do experiments in the laboratory where we get material that has been erupted through volcanoes and we subject it to high pressure and temperature and we um, observationally validate um, the um, P wave and S wave velocities. We can also calculate the, um, the elastic parameters of um, these rocks um, under various phase transitions and we can use those um, to, confirm the, um, to confirm the validity of our, um, of our, of our proposed structure. So where the earth is, where earth material is hot, 
Um, generally, um, the wave velocities are slower where it is cooler, the wave velocities are faster. So, you know, we can see, for instance, subducting slabs, which are largely solid, have very high um, wave velocities through them. Thank you so much for answering that question there, Tony. Let's carry on. Can, can we, can, I, I just, I agree that, that Tony does or makes a really good point, especially about determining the, the earth, shape of the earth. It's important to stick to the shape of the earth and things like physical distance measures like railroad track or anything like that with length would be very, probably the most helpful way because they're absolute rulers Ten of determining a length. We can, we could use that to, to figure out distances of things. I think that's incredibly well put as well like this guy is golly he's very smart people who go to school there are a lot of smart people who go to school even if it's they're paying for an expensive education smart people tony is definitely one of them so well thank you you're very kind and i'm sorry for snapping earlier but and i realize you're just doing what a lot of people do but um it, it we need to we need to stay in observations we need to we need to back what we say with observations at absolutely okay all right, let's carry on there, guys. And I'm sorry uh, if I, I cut you off there, Nathan. I just uh, uh, was trying to give that question there specifically to Tony since it was uh, very specifically addressed. Uh, but that's mm -hmm. of very little concern. Like I said, we're, we're very chill here this evening. John Smith, TD Jump. Oh, why do you always pretend to be tired in debates is what they asked. Well, T Jump is no longer here, but... Uh, I don't know if he's pretending, or maybe he's just tired. Maybe he's not tired at all. I don't notice uh, him acting any kind of way. So uh, let's carry on, everybody. Uh, I think uh, we kept everything on good track this evening. Uh, Big Snag says, how do earthquakes work on a flat earth? If this is talk about sorry, if not, is the data just a part of the conspiracy? Wait, is the question like, how are earthquakes possible on a flat Earth? I would say there's all kinds of geothermal activity. I don't know what's going on down beneath, far far beneath where I am. I mean, how far down can we send devices to track what's going on? You know? And you also Real, have, I, like, really like, uh, I think they made a typo, if you want to clarify in the I'm chat. not, yeah, I'm just. But go ahead. Continue on, possible, sure. You know? And there are things, there are conditions like the ground. If, if objects are um, are heated up, there's something called like thermal expansion and things. So that which when and then when something when it expands and then it recontracts, there's going to be alterations to the the makeup and the composition of the material. So I there are I think there are several factors. There are there are plates that are in a fluid of oil, and so they might be moving around. So there there can can be these types of things. I um, just need that, to I just need to factually correct you. The plates are not in yeah. a in a field of oil. Um, that that's not what's happening. Um, you don't get any oil at the bottom of um, plate boundaries. Oil is very superficial. But what the um, what happens physically is the rock has water in it. The it, it, it's it's a tiny fraction. It's a fraction of a percent of water, but it's enough to make a difference. If you have a tiny um, uh, abundance of water, that actually weakens the rock and makes it easier for the rock to flow. And that's what causes um, sort of differences in the hardness or, or brittleness or flow characteristics of rock is that water, water composition. Can I throw a weird theory out there? I know maybe no one said it yet. I don't know if you guys knew there was like giant trees on the earth that got cut down. 
uh, what I was thinking was there was some type of like event X, like a cataclysm uh, that melted brick buildings and other stuff. And what I think happened is these trees that got cut down, the roots are still seeking out water. Now, how can I prove that? In my city, uh, the water comes from the hills, which surprisingly enough looks like a giant tree stump. There's giant white tanks. I don't know if you have them in your area. And what I see is there's hills that do look flat. And I was always curious about how do we get the water from the ground? How does the water pumped up to those hills? And what the reason I bring up that cataclysm is that if the surface area was fossilized instantaneously, it's possible that the root systems still exist and are still uh, getting water just like a, a tree would do, right? And I was always curious about that in my area, why the water is pumped down from the hills. And then I consider what if that's like the earthquakes are these roots Last going five. through the earth? That's it. That was just a weird personal theory I had, you know. All right. Uh, the Wicker Man asks, oh, mm, this is not a very nice question there, the Wicker Man. I'm so sorry. Uh, let me just try to clean this up. Mm. He's not. Yeah, he doesn't feel very kindly towards you, uh, Nathan and uh, Matthew. But he does say respect to PhD Tony and T Jump. Uh, so thank you for the uh, support. What's his name? What's his handle? What's his name? Oh, you calm down. All right. So he he, he strikes twice. He, he strikes twice. The Wickerman says, love you. "Name me one flat earther inventor or invention." Flat earther inventions? I don't know. I mean, who? Who was a flat earther like Tesla? He was a flat earther. Uh, I know Elon Musk is throwing some stuff out that he's a flat earther. That's very interesting to me. When Elon Musk puts out little stuff, and he's supposed to be the most notable inventor, uh, tycoon, whatever, on the forefront that we have. You know, he was learning Small about correction. flat earth. Small correction. You know? Elon Musk hasn't really invented anything. I think you're right about that. I think he's an actor, but the point he's is that's his character. Like his character is that guy and he's known for developing it. And yeah, I mean, if he's putting stuff out about the firmament and I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. I mean, I don't know who all is, what their personal beliefs of every inventor throughout known history, but probably some people thought, you know, this place looks flat and this place doesn't feel like it's moving. It's possible. Just putting it out there. All right, that was our last super chat. So what we should do, um, since we just ended on that note there, um, uh, and I'm sure you have some thoughts there, Tony, let's do a round of uh, one-minute closing statements, uh, and, and maybe we can get that wrapped up in there. Uh, so I will give you, since T-Jump is not here, Tony, I'll give you two minutes. Um, okay. But... Uh, I, I like doing it EU style. You know, some people don't like that. But uh, Nathan, Matthew, who would like to close first? Man, I'm happy to. All right, it. go ahead, Matthew. You got one minute on the floor. One minute. Okay, you know what, guys? You know what I was imagining? What if we're all in heaven one day far from now? And we're just in heaven, like we're all watching this video, like we're all watching this, and we're just feeling the love with the Lord, and we're just like swimming around in heaven, singing singing thank you god like love and creation i like that prayer but i hope we live a long happy life guys i don't want any of us to pass away anytime soon i want us to just thrive and be successful 
And I just want to say I love all you guys. Uh, Ryan, uh, uh, Tony, uh, big big uh, T Jump. What's up, T Jump? Love you, Nathan. Yeah, man, excellent partner. I just want that's what I want to say. Thank you to the Creator, and I want to say I love Jesus Christ. You have a relationship with Him. You know, it's never too late. As long as you're alive, you can always turn your life back to the Lord, and that's it. All right. Well, I'll always return it with I love you too, buddy, and I'm glad that you're here and that you're cordial and, you, you know, we're having a lot of fun here. Uh, this is Modern Day Debate. I got lots to go around, everybody, and uh, I'm, I'm a big singer. I mean, uh, I might sing something at the end of this. You never know. Uh, I sometimes put on my tunes. It, it just depends on how I feel. Nathan, uh, one minute on the floor for you. Uh, yeah, so I, I I think with this this discussion, I think it's important to have because I, I think there are, unfortunately, we probably don't know anyone, but there are some people who are nefarious out there who might consider harming others for their own gain. And I feel like that this is a thing that we can use to kind of shine a light on some of these things like uh, Operation Sea Spray or large area coverage where we've been tested on as research subjects uh, for, you know, experimental purposes and people have been harmed and, and killed um and this is from the people supposed to be protecting us with our tax dollars and everything um so but i i think with this cosmological discussion it can validate religion or it can falsify the ancient beliefs of man if the earth was shown to be a globe uh and we can work towards achieving more peaceful civilizations with civil discourse and everything involved with that especially with our technology and our communication in this time that we live and so i think when we're talking about geomorphology we should we should focus on the, the shape of the earth itself as primary then we can talk about sky phenomena how things act on the earth or, or above the surface or on the surface uh and i would just ask before it pass over to tony tony if you mean it can you just say geology rocks if you mean it I just <laughs> pun geology intended rocks. <laughs> fun intended beauty all right i was gonna say that is a thank you everybody too that's what th thank you everybody for, for for being here well thank you as well nathan and matthew for your closing statements and for staying a little bit longer than what we may have attended originally if you're watching in the live stream right now hit the like button we super appreciate that uh if you got thumbs if you have a nose that's warm hit that like button two minutes tony on the floor your closing okay. statement First of all, I wanted to say thank you. Um, the exchanges got heated. I, I, I have a very short temper sometimes, so my apologies for that if it happened. Thank you very much for um, uh, moderating, Ryan. I think you did a fantastic job. And for Nathan and Matthew, um, I really enjoyed meeting you and talking with you. Thank you very much for that. Um, I agree that, um, well, my concern is that people only have a finite time um, of life and and it would be nice if we could all live but i feel like flat earth is encouraging people to actually waste time um and there are conspiracies out there there are malicious actors out there there are liars out there who are trying to exploit us but um but the globe earth is not one of those things and i think we could focus better more efficiently on the people who are bad actors if we could accept a shared reality in which observational data um, so we could easily dispense with the observational data for, for the shape of the earth, in my opinion, and then we could move on to these other to these other problems and, as you say, better direct um, better direct things to them. So um, so I appreciate the um, the goodwill that Matthew and um, uh, that Matthew and Nathan brought to bear um, uh, very genuinely, and um, I'm hoping that you know sort of 
I have access to data and to things that other people don't. That's a result of, no, I'm very fortunate that way as a result of my education. And my aim is not to belittle people. It's not to um, force people, but it is to help you. It is to help people sort of understand the evidence that we have available, um, if that makes any sense. Awesome. All right. Well, you just wrap that up. You had 10 seconds left. So uh, I think that's good, everybody. We're going to call that a wrap. So uh, once again, if you haven't hit that like button, smack it around a little bit. We don't mind that. Uh, we're going to be back on Friday for more juicy debates. Uh, so keep a good eye out on that. We're going to be debating. Uh, is it Mormonism? Latter-day Saints? Uh, let's have a, little, a look over there. Why don't you go check for me? That would be great. And hit the notification while you're at it. So let's uh, let's close it on out. Thank you, Matthew, Nathan, Dr. Tony, and T-Jump. All right, everybody was on excellent behavior this evening. I appreciate it, everyone. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.